Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. And now starting an hour earlier, welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Here's your host, Michael Ball. Hey, what's going on? What's new? Heard any news? Been a pretty boring day, hasn't it? <laughs> the show is brought to you by Saskatchewan Lotteries, the main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport, culture, and recreation groups. We got a loaded show, but I do have some time for you to talk. Like, you could call just before 5 or about 5.20 with some open phones here. Take your opinion on what you think the Riders should do now. The Bo Levi Mitchell is signed with the Hamilton Tiger Cats. So we got a lot to get to as it relates to that. Uh, like I said, the show is brought to you by Saskatchewan Lotteries. All our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. Get it hot, get it fast, Western Pizza. And you can text us at our Capital Ford Lincoln text line at 936-6262. You can call that number locally or 1-866-767-0620. Is that it? Are you done with the riders? You were holding out hope Bo Levi Mitchell's going to come here? Uh, you heard a certain radio announcer basically guarantee it. We'll get into that a little later on. First, Sean Kleisinger, my great producer, let us get to one of these first. For another pick six with Ballsy and friends, as they give their take on six sports topics of the day. Time now for a pick six. So, Bo Levi Mitchell has signed a three-year deal with the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Look, I thought at one point it would be sixty-five thirty-five that Bo would be a rough rider, but then Mark Mueller, his buddy, stayed in Calgary. Still, I thought Bo would be a rider because. He told me personally and on this show that he was going to free agency. And I thought if that was the case, I was confident the Riders could offer him more in terms of popularity, money because of the off-field opportunities, endorsements, better facilities, better fan base, and his dollar here goes farther than Ontario. Basically, as I told him on a couple of occasions, you grew up wanting to be an NFL quarterback, Bo, and this is your chance to feel like one. So a Hall of Fame quarterback at 32 with the chance for one last big payday doesn't test free agency? Now, I don't think the Tiger Cats are so much better than the Riders, and I don't believe Bo thinks that either. So maybe it's the structure of the teams right now. Maybe he feels like it's a more stable situation with the coaching and front office. Maybe they blew his socks off with money and opportunities. Once again, I don't think better than what the Riders could have offered. Maybe it's proximity to Toronto. He wants to be on TSN, so there's that. 
Although I could tell you for free, this guy here was working on getting him his own show right here on 620 CKRM. I do know one thing for sure. It was a family decision. So I wish Bo all the best, and I hope the Riders beat the brakes off him when he comes here to Mosaic Stadium. It's on to plan B for your Rough Riders. Dane Evans, McLeod Bethel-Thompson, Trevor Harris, Chad Kelly, Nick Arbuckle, Mason Fine. Who knows? The Bengals are now favorites in the AFC Championship game. High ankle sprain for Patty Mahomes. Some people say it's worse than breaking your ankle. Very painful, and it will limit improvising. That's part of Mahomes' game, as you know. Since he is well-coached, good and tight games, and road warriors. And Joe Burrow is a stud. He's like Peyton Manning and Tom Brady when it comes to breaking down a defense. And the Bengals have more weapons than KC. It's going to come down to which defense holds up better. And consider this. The number one seed is rarely an underdog in a conference championship game. And when it's an injury to the starting quarterback is usually the reason. The last number one seed to be an underdog in the conference championship was 2017 when the Eagles were three-point underdogs against the Vikings in the NFC championship game. That's because Nick Foles started in place of Carson Wentz. The Eagles won that game and the Super Bowl. Chad Henney will start if Mahomes can't. I love football, and I thought I knew the rules, but two emerged from the Cowboys-Niners game I never knew. When a quarterback throws the ball out of bounds, it has to hit the ground or someone on the sidelines before the clock stops. And when a player is knocked backwards going out of bounds at the end of a half or a game, the clock doesn't stop. It's a great sports day when you learn something new. Number four in the pick six. The Buffalo Bills play in crappy, inclement weather for over half the season. So why does a cold-weather team run their offense like they're playing in San Diego? Man, the Bills got to fix that O-line and get a running game. You had Josh Allen. Why didn't you use his feet earlier in the game? I don't understand how these coaches make millions of dollars and don't know what's going on. Like, that team was so unprepared on Sunday. Long bombs in the snow. That's not a game plan. That's called winging it. I know this is old news, but I haven't talked about it yet. The Vancouver Canucks are a grease fire. I don't remember in my 40 years of paying attention to sports an organization botching a firing like this. Boudreaux pulled that team off the mat last season. And someone please take me by the hand and show me some clarity here. Boudreaux is a proven winning coach. His replacement, Rick Tockett, has been a head coach for six seasons in the NHL, missed the playoffs five times, and was knocked out in round one in the other season. And he's going to clean up this mess? Sure, there are other pathetic pro sports teams in North America, but none worse than the Canucks. What a disaster. Kudos to Regina sports fans for showing up to watch this talented Regina Pats hockey team. Crowds are picking up. We just had our first sellout of the season at the Brand Center, and the team carries a four-game winning streak into Sunday's home game. Connor Bedard, of course, you know, is worth the price of admission, but so is Sposal, Suzdalev, Howe, Sim, and others. And Sunday's game is a family-friendly 4 p.m. start. Let's keep that momentum going, folks. Let's go, Pats. And time for your extra point. Regina Youth Flag Football League is the biggest it's ever been. Ballooning to over 3,000 kids playing, and they're going to be 
desperately needing coaches and volunteers, go to their Facebook page, the Regina Youth Flag Football League, and that Facebook page for more information. All right, Ryder Nation, let's get after it. What do you think of the uh, happenings today in the world of CFL news with Bo Levi Mitchell staying in Hamilton, re-upping through 2025, 936-6262. That's the number to text, Capital Ford Lincoln text line. But you can call that number locally or 1-866-767-0620. Let your voice be heard right here on your voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. It's time to step into the radio octagon. You're tuned to the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the show. Brought to you by Saskatchewan Lotteries. We're at the corner of 12th and Rose, welcoming your input. we got a big show lined up coming up here in a little bit. We're going to hear from Dave Taylor and Cougars in the Cage, the U of R women's basketball coach. Also, Ken Schneider, assistant coach of your Regina Pats. They're having a team-building thing going on today as they don't play till Sunday. And we'll also, before 4 o'clock, hear from pending free agent receiver Shaq Evans of your Rough Riders right now, but who knows going forward. Zinger, the text line, 936-6262. What do you got? Kelly says, Ballsy, what the hell? made Bo Levi Mitchell change his mind before free agency has even opened. He was adamant that he was going to free agency, so what the hell did Hamilton offer him to get him to sign early? And then <laughs> Kelly goes on to say, lots of work to be done, O'Day. Hope you have a plan, man. It better be good. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what the riders do from here, and they will. I'm sure it wasn't Bo or Bust, although I did say that. Like He's the guy that would sell tickets. Um, I don't know what happened. He said in his comments today that it was about winning, a chance to win, a better chance to win. Maybe it is a better chance to win. I mean, it's easier to go through the East Singer, okay? Yeah. yeah uh, I thought it would be a positive for Bo Levi Mitchell to get to play Calgary more, right? Be a mm-hmm. thorn in their side. But maybe... They know him very well. You don't think Dave Dickinson knows Bo Levi Mitchell? Maybe he's not up to playing Calgary that many times. I don't know. This is all speculation. Here's what I know, because people were all over me on Twitter. Ballsy, you're 0 for 3. You said Nias, Mueller, and Bo Levi Mitchell. It's the thing about uh, predictions. You make them. Sometimes they work out. Sometimes they don't. I've got the balls in Ballsy to make the predictions. And so, I would say this, Singer. And you know because you and I talk, okay? Mm Mm-hmm. You, do you have that clip, by Lay the way? It on me. Yeah, okay, I got it ready okay, to go. okay, okay. So uh, before we get to it, okay, we'll get to this first. Bo Levi Mitchell at the end of last year on our show, in case you missed it, can listen to it in its entirety way back in December in podcast form. November 30th. Okay, there yeah. you go. Bo Levi Mitchell on our show said this to me. Hit it. I want to wait till free agency, and that's not, it's not because of a dollar amount. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to free agency and say, well, oh, let's see who can pay me the highest. I've, I've, I've gotten paid, you know, good money throughout the, you know, course of my career. And, you know, for me, on this, you know, back half of my career, I want to, I want to continue to win. I want to continue to push the envelope as far as breakups. And, um, and that can't happen without a coordinator that's willing to collaborate, you know, without a guy that, um, you know, ready to go and experienced and, and just, you know, excited about the next step. And I think coordinator for me is that position that I really want to see as far as when I get to free agency. Um, that's the reason I want to be there. I want to know hmm. it's, it's hard because if I sign with the team right now, I don't know that their offensive coordinator doesn't leave or their, you know, defensive coordinator doesn't leave. And now players want to leave with that defensive coordinator. Um, so that's the big thing for me is I want to see where coaches land. So I'll be able to see that next couple of weeks. So, Bo said there were factors he wanted to wait. You heard it right there. 
I also talked to Bo Levi Mitchell behind the scenes, and that's exactly what he told me. He was waiting until free agency. I guarantee you I'm waiting for free agency. It is a real head-scratcher zinger. We got a guy who's 32 years old, about to be 33. Hall of Fame quarterback, no doubt about it, with an opportunity to test free agency. His last big contract, and he's two weeks out. What did happen? That's a big question. What did what did he see in the last few weeks? Because I heard it right till a couple weeks ago, he was still going to free agency. So what happened? Because if Farhan Lalji is to be believed with what he reported, we'll have him on tomorrow. 520,000? 540,000? 560,000? But the last two years aren't guaranteed because they can't guarantee him. They can't guarantee him any money. Hmm. So what did they do behind the scenes, under the table? Um, Is there any situation where this money that w- that was guaranteed for Bo Levi wouldn't be on the table if he waited until free agency happened? Like, would that have changed well, Hamilton's Hamilton, line of Hamilton thinking? Hamilton could say this. Ham- who's stopping Hamilton from saying this? We're giving you 520, and we're doing this for you, this for you, this for you, and this for you. They tell him that because they can negotiate with him. We'll do all this for you, but if you don't sign, all of that's off the table, and then you risk going to free agency. What are the riders going to do? I know for a... F- I have it on pretty good authority that the Rough Riders would have gone 520, 520-ish, 525, right around there. But they wouldn't have gone 540 or 560. There's no way they would have done that, and I wouldn't blame them. Here's the guy that was a backup. We don't know if his shoulder is 100% yet. He looked good in that West semifinal. I'm not going to backtrack off that. He did look good. He is the best quarterback out there to be had. There's no doubt about that. But... The riders were only going a, a certain amount because they got to they got to bring other guys in, okay? So there's that. But there was stuff like the reason why I was so bullish on this Bo Levi Mitchell thing. <laughs> I was behind the scenes. I'm not going to go into it too much, but I was behind the scenes working some things, okay? I already had some stuff lined up for him with my connections and other people's connections for this to work out swimmingly for Bo Levi Mitchell off the field. I Honestly, I told him on a couple of occasions, like I said in that pick six, you, did you grow up wanting to be a CFL quarterback? He's like, no, I grew up in Texas. I want to be an NFL quarterback. I said, there you go. So this is your chance to feel like a big-time NFL quarterback for the rest of your career. Your wife will be a first, uh, like the first lady of Saskatchewan. The... The media thing's big for him, right? Toronto, right? If you're not on TSN, which I'm not, I'm assuming he's not going to be on TSN on a daily basis, okay? No, he's going to be a quarterback and out there. Yeah. So, 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 so if you're not going to be on TSN on a daily basis, the next best place to be in Canada would be where? Right here, baby. That's right. And we, I put an hour aside for him to have his own show within the sports cage. That was late. I knew that. I had that figured out right here. Okay? Mm-hmm. I Like, I've done... I'm closer to this than, you know... It was all on my own. I had no other help. It was me on my own because I have a friendship with him. I knew what I could do. So how, how do you feel personally about... Uh, listen, about, about like him going back on his word because I, I know a lot of Ryder fans feel like they're kind of betrayed too because they yeah. thought they thought they were going to have a, a, hey, a crack a, at him. It was a family decision, and he looked at the thing and he decided to do what he did. I just, you know, I don't like when you say you're going to 
go to free agency personally and on the show, and then you don't. But business is business, and it's sports, and it's not the first time somebody has said, hey, yeah. I'm going to do this and then do that. And Hamilton had every right to get him and, and to do what they wanted with him. So now we're on to plan B. So what? good luck, Bo. Wish you all the best. I don't. Wish you all the best. He's still an, he, he yeah, was an could, enemy before. Yeah, yeah. He's an enemy now. We could still. We could still. He could still. I'm just kidding. We, all the best. But, no, no, yeah. all the best. And and I I respect him. And I'm still. I'll be cordial with him. But at the end of the day, it hasn't changed in Rider Nation. We could still hate Bo Levi Mitchell. So my question to the folks out there at nine three six sixty two sixty two or one eight six six seven six seven zero six twenty. What should the riders' plan be? B. What should their plan B be? Maybe even Bo. Hey, listen. I'll say this. I'm the voice of the riders, but I've had nothing to do with this in terms of the riders. Like, nothing. I'm just talking here. That was my plan A. Maybe Bo Levi Mitchell wasn't their plan A all along. I don't know if it was or if it wasn't. I have no idea. That was was Ballsy's plan A. I thought he would be a great fit here. Forget Cody Fajardo. We're not certain. Take Cody out of the equation. I don't see how that works. I don't see a Jimmy G where he's back in Ryder color. Stranger things have happened. And guess what? I guess I should be out of the prediction business singer because I was 0 for 3. Plan B, here's how I would approach it. Okay? I would wait for Hamilton to cut Dane Evans. Or try to get him on the cheap if I could. I don't know if BC will be in on that as a backup to Vernon Adams because I think they want to have a good one-two combo. Neil McAvoy told told us that on our show a couple of weeks ago. Um, so I don't know how much I trade for Bo or or pick or for uh, Dane, pardon me, or pick him up if they release him. But how about trying to work it so you have a Dane Evans, Chad Kelly competition for quarterback? Ooh. At training camp, if 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 Toronto would part with that, I don't know if Toronto would either. Or or McLeod Bethel Thompson and get a young guy in here. Or Trevor Harris. I know one thing. <clears throat> I do know this. Watch for this. Okay, watch for this. Bo Levi Mitchell is friends with Geno Lewis. I would I would suspect Hamilton Tiger Cats are going after Ooh, Gino Lewis. That's a lot of free money. agency. That's a lot of moolah. Well, they, that's nearly Dunbar Junior's a free bucks. Dunbar Junior's a free agent. True, yeah. Tim White's a free agent. Braylon Addison not back from his Achilles. Watch for Gino Lewis to be high on the Tiger Cats radar. Imagine if Gino came to Ryderville, though. We have a text here, Ballsy. Did yeah. Bo actually buy a house in Regina? No, Bo didn't buy any house anywhere. Because remember, that was the rumor floating around. No, he didn't buy no, a house. Uh, no, he didn't buy Travis a house. Travis says uh, the Ryder should just bring uh, Cody back. No. I don't think that's going to no. happen, man. Dane is done. Listen, Dane is done in Hamilton. How is Dane going to stay in Hamilton? No, that's a not. shot to his ego. And how they can't pay that much in quarterbacking. And why would Dane renegotiate? No, you signed me to a contract. So they're either going to cut him or renegotiate and trade him, maybe a sign and trade. And, uh, and, and of course, um, yeah, like I, I don't see that. I don't see that happening. And Cody Fajardo, how can the riders circle back? No, it's not going to happen. I think Cody Fajardo is going to go in BC, go to the BC Lions. And I think that's the way it's going to be. And he's going to be back to quarterback sneaking for a career. And I, th- I, and, I th- and I think, and I think Trevor Harris ultimately ends up in Montreal. So it's going to come down to oh, probably what you said. Probably what you said. McLeod Bethel Thompson either ends up in Toronto as their quarterback or he ends up here. 
because he's a free agent. If he comes back to football, uh, Chad Kelly either ends up in Toronto or ends up here. Well, if Bethel Thompson lands in Toronto, the Riders better trade for Chad Kelly. Yeah. And, and then we could dedicate an hour for and, Chad and, Kelly and, right and, here and, on the sports And cage. then see if you can get Dane Evans in here have a Dane Chad competition because Dane, Chad's not sitting on the bench another year behind no Bethel. and Dane and Dane happen. flourished and Dane Evans flourished when he had a Jeremiah Masoli beside him when he got the reins didn't work out so well but then again Zinger maybe all Dane Evans needs is a change of scenery maybe right. Cody, nobody knew anything about Cody. He comes in here, lights it up in 2019. Jeremy could spend money around Cody because he wasn't paying Cody a lot of cash at the start, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Zach Kalaros, when he went from Saskatchewan to Toronto to Winnipeg, I'll say it again. Yes, he had a. We knew what Zach was when he was healthy in Hamilton, but we didn't know what Zach was when he got traded from Toronto to Winnipeg. So it could be just a change of scenery, building up the O line, getting him some weapons. Going to be very interesting to see what happens. But the Riders do have to sell hope, and I don't. It's interesting because they got to sell hope, but this regime needs to win. What do they do? Very interesting. Remember what Rob Vanstone said last week? He said if like the Riders were to get Chad Kelly, that would be kind of like selling hope yes. because we don't really know what his ceiling is yet. He showed glimpses that he could be a really good CFL quarterback, and I think outside of having Bo Levi Mitchell, and that's obviously not going to happen now, but, that, that would be the next. But, 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 Jeremy and Craig need to win. You don't really know that much about Chad Kelly. Is that enough to uh, pin your job security on a guy that's 29? At the same time, Dane Evans hasn't really won much. He's Yeah, but he's, he's more had, proven. He, yeah. He's more proven. He's more proven in an East Final. And, it, you know, when he had that, I'm saying a one-two punch. You need two quarterbacks. Got to try to swing it. You got to try to get a veteran in here and then a guy like like a Chad Kelly or a Mason Fine, who, by the way, joins us after 5 o'clock here on the Sports Cage. Sports ticker for Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right. Give them a call at 781-2090. Well, Bo Levi Mitchell has signed a three-year contract, but the Thai Cats is, uh, well... Two-time Grey Cup champion, two-time CFO, most outstanding player, will be going to Hammertown. So uh, Bo Levi will be wearing the black and gold next season. It's a busy night in the National Hockey League. we got games all over the place. The Boston Bruins in Montreal, the Florida Panthers in Pittsburgh, the LA Kings in Philadelphia, the Tampa Bay Lightning host the Minnesota Wild, the Detroit Red Wings host the San Jose Sharks, Vegas is in New Jersey, Buffalo in St. Louis, the Winnipeg Jets are in Nashville, Anaheim in Arizona to take on the Coyotes. All right, here with U of R Cougars women's basketball coach Dave Taylor. Dave, thanks for taking my call. Big weekend sweep in UBC. Tell us about that. Yeah, I, I think we, we weren't great, but we were okay, and especially uh, we were better Saturday night, but at this time of the year on the road, getting a sweep is, is good, so we're happy with that. Yeah, it's encouraging. When you're not great and you still win, That's th- those are nice ones to get. Absolutely, and we rely so much on our outside shooting that you know we, we didn't shoot the ball great this weekend, and to still get a, a win and, and do some other things well, and especially Friday night, we were down going into the fourth quarter, and we made a good comeback, so 
that that was good and encouraging encouraging for our team to see us do that. So when you're not shooting well, what other things did you do well to compensate? Um, I, I think it's more with us sometimes, just like playing with pace, you know, getting up and down and creating some easier shots. So getting it to the rim, and then and then defensively too, just making stops. And we did a good job on that. It was Friday night. It was. You know, we'd scored nine points in the first and third quarter, which is very unlike us. And then I think we put up 25 or so in the fourth quarter. So sometimes it's just a matter of getting it going. Dave, you got a big weekend set at home against Lethbridge. Tell us about the opposition coming in. Yeah, they're tough. They're, we played them last year for third place in Canada West in the bronze medal game. And they brought everybody back. They've been a little bit up and down this year, but they're they're fighting for their playoff lives quite frankly, but they just had a good weekend uh, two weekends ago. They had a bye, but they played Saskatchewan really tough at home, and Saskatchewan's really playing well, and they had put up a lot of points against them, so, you know, an older team, they run their stuff really well, so it'll be a tough matchup. You know, it's nice to be back home, though. We typically play a lot better at home. Quickly, tell us about some of the girls we should watch on your team. Yeah, on our team, um, you know, we're always led by Jade Belmore or Karamiski. Jade Belmore was Can West Rookie of the Year. Uh, They're both in the top 10 in scoring. I think they're 1-2 in assists. Jade's in the top 5 in rebounding. Um, Julia Verdova, our our Czechoslovakian post player, those typically are our top 3 scorers, but certainly Jade and and Kara have led us most of the year. How do you get a Czech player to come here, Dave? (laughs) Well, I'd say recruiting, recruiting, but yeah, we've had some luck with Europeans and Oftentimes, it's just finding ones who are interested in Canada. And then, you know, once we talk about our program and the success we've had, um, then it's good. And we, we try not to talk too much about the weather till they get here. <laughs> well, coming from Czechia, not uh, not to Florida. So it's not that big of a difference. Hey, thanks for your time, Dave. Continued success this weekend against Lethbridge. You bet. Thanks very much. Now bringing you three hours of the hottest sports talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. All right, welcome back to the show, and it's brought to you by Saskatchewan Lotteries, the main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport, culture, and recreation groups. We're joined by Pat's assistant coach, Ken Schneider. Ken, you, you don't have any inside knowledge here, but you've been around hockey a long time. I want to pick your brain about this. What do you make about what went on in Vancouver with Bruce Boudreaux? Listen, you don't know the behind-the-scenes stuff. I'm not asking to comment about that, but the, the strangeness of it and how it, was, uh, how it dragged out for what it appears to be a pretty good guy in Bruce Boudreaux. Yeah, you know, Michael, uh, I know there's been a lot of uh, other public comments about it by the the hockey people and obviously the fans of Vancouver. Um, Yeah, you know, having been in human resources most of my life uh, prior to the hockey business here in Regina, you know, I I, I do find it kind of strange that you'd leave someone hanging like that. It was was evident that they had other plans and they outwardly voiced it. So, you know, for for someone like Bruce, who's been in the game for so long and he's pretty well respected, uh, it just seemed to be an odd way to manage the whole situation. Tell us about John Paddock. Something we don't know about him. Like, you know, he's a pretty stoic guy. He's a he's a quiet talker. I I apologize to him. I thought he was a terrible interview. But then the more I talk to him. 
I, I apologized to him and apologized on the air saying, you know what? It wasn't you. It was me. I need to do a better job of interviewing you. You're not as maybe charismatic as a Ken Schneider. But just talk about how he runs the team and does a great job. He's done it through health problems and, uh, and COVID and everything like that. Yeah, you know, well, John's outside of being our head coach and general manager. He's, he's a personal friend of mine. Um, hired me years ago to be a scout here, and uh, he um, he he is quiet, but he's very thoughtful. He cares a lot about his staff and his players. Um, and uh, the thing that I found really interesting when I got here was we always knew I always knew he was competitive, but I, I didn't realize that it it could surface as much as it does on the bench at times. And uh, Greg Mayer and Gord Cochran said, "Oh, you just wait. You'll you'll find out when he gets hot about a call or something that we did wrong or uh, whatever the case may be. You're going to find him pretty elevated." And uh, so it's been it's been unique and it's been enjoyable because even you know at at 68. His passion and his drive and his will is uh, is top end. Yeah, and that's where I was going with this. He's 68. You've been around the game a long time. How much is coaching young kids, a superstar like Badar, but other guys like Howe and Suzdalev and Sposal and some of these guys, how much does that keep you young, Ken? Uh, it, it, it's, uh, it's hard to explain, Michael, to be honest with you. I know I've raised three adult children of my own and, and been in hockey coaching kids forever. Um, but it's, it's the best feeling on earth. Uh, get up every morning. I'm excited to come to the rink. Uh, when I get to work with young people that, you know, are, are looking to get ahead, they, they, they want to do something special and, uh, just to be part of their lives and to be involved in hockey is, um, I don't think I could find a, a, a better, a better thing to do. Is it gratifying, or I guess how gratifying is it, Ken, when a guy gets it? When you've been teaching this to a guy maybe for the first couple of months of the season, and then when we start getting to crunch time, when the rubber meets the road, the nice stretch like this, a guy gets it. Yeah, that that's probably one of the more rewarding things that coaches get out of it is when sort of the lights go on, so to speak. Um, and often it, it takes a while um, because players are adjusting to you. I've always said that, when you walk into a dressing room of players, um, especially for someone like myself who was new to this whole thing uh, here in Regina, it, it, it's it's two-way respect. You have to earn the players' respect, and they have to earn yours. So it goes both ways. And once you've kind of established that rapport, then the teaching part really comes into play. And uh, um, to see uh, players execute things that you've talked about and you've worked at um, is sort of the icing on the cake. Ken, can you give me one of those players not named Bedard or Sposal that's uh, that's kind of impressed you or that you're kind of proud of when you watch them play? Uh, yeah, you know, there's. I, I hate to pick out individual players so much because um, there, there's several players that uh, that I work with almost daily, uh, and those are are sort of our our uh, third, fourth line guys. Often they get scratched from games. Um, and I'm thinking of the likes of Carter Herman, mm-hmm. uh, Mateo Michaels, um, uh, the two Vaughn boys uh, often skate uh, for extra ice time because, you know, their ice time's a bit limited in games. And these kids are outstanding kids. Uh, they, they work their tails off. Uh, they come to the rink every day with the right attitude. They want to learn. They want to get better. 
And, uh, you know, I think we're starting to see that progress in them. Yeah, and you talk about it, pride. How about Michael scoring his first goal? That's nice to see. Yeah, that was outstanding. I, I, you know, the thing for me that was most rewarding was to be on the bench to see how all of our team and the coaches responded to that goal and, and the uh, Gordon and Greg as well. Like we were all excited for, for Mateo. It was a big moment for him and it was a monkey off his back. And that's when you start to really see that you, you're developing that team environment. That's, that's what wins in the end. It's not so much about total skill and talent, but who's going to play for each other and who's going to you know, pull the rope together as a group. And so we saw that the other night in, in his goal. You know, you talked about being an HR, you're an assistant coach, which uh, sometimes you can get mad, but it's more good cop than bad cop. Do you kind of got to be like a counselor, Ken, at times, for guys like you just mentioned, the Vaughns, uh, Mateo Michaels, who, you know, it's a long season, especially when you're not getting a lot of ice time. Yeah, you know, I, I think maybe that's sort of, you know, what's transpired over this last year and a half for me. Um, and, you know, John and I talked about it a bit probably before I came here. Um uh, you know, Brad does a lot of the technical stuff. I'm on ice helping, obviously, with practice. And uh, but you know, it's it's the stuff off the ice sometimes that uh, it's hard for kids. Uh, often they're away from home, and uh, you know, you know, they're going through you know self doubt at times and lack of confidence because where they come from, they've been the, the leaders and the stars of their teams. So coming here is a bit of a different experience. And so maybe at, t- at times you're more of a fatherly figure than anything. Ken, lastly, what are you liking about this hockey club right now? You get a bit of a break, which is cool because you get to kind of experience that family atmosphere. I know you guys got a couple of team bonding things going on this week. Important for the team here is you guys get a little bit of a break before, uh, you know, everything, uh, you know, comes to a crescendo in the last two months. Yeah, you know, I, you know, I think we're... Uh... We're on the right track, um, you know. Of course, obviously, with the return of Connor and Stan um, and uh, uh, Stringer to our lineup after a long injury, uh, it's it's been great. Um, they've you know infused some energy to us, and uh, you know we've sort of rallied behind that. So we're looking forward to the last couple of months. It's going to be hard work, a lot of tough games ahead of us. We've got a couple of four and five night schedules, and. Um, it's going to take everybody all everybody on board because, uh, you know, as we spoke about that third and fourth line guys, uh, when injuries pop up or suspension, et cetera, we're going to we're going to need to count on those guys to fill those holes. So um, it's exciting and uh, lots more to come. So what do you got for team bonding? Like meals or uh, you playing some games and stuff? Yeah, actually, today is one of those days, uh, Michael. We're uh, we're actually heading over to the Caledonian curling. Um, uh, curling tournament and so bond spiel, whatever you want to call it. I hope there's not a lot of bond spieling going on, but uh, uh, yeah, so that'll be a lot of fun. I think the guys are looking forward to it. Coaches, uh, trainers, everybody's participating, and uh, then we're off to the to the keg tonight for a team meal. Uh, so yeah, we're trying to you know break up a you know a long week where you know we're not playing any games till next Sunday. So um, today's a, a day uh, of rest for for the guys from the ice, and uh, and uh, we'll go and have some fun and uh, see if we can't uh, you know bring back some of the old Saskatchewan memories of some of the greatest uh, curlers in, in in the province. People like Harvey Mazinki yeah. and Stevie Pickering. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, there's some uh, some great people that my dad grew up uh, curling against all those years, uh, so it, it'll be kind of fun. And one of my uh, uh, best buds is Ben Hebert, one of the greatest curlers of all time. He told me this piece of advice, so I'll pass it along to you. Remember, sure, slider in the hack, and when you're sweeping, take the slider off. That's what he said. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I was giving the boys a little bit of a hard time yesterday saying, hey, guys, pay attention because if you fall, you don't have elbow pads and chin pads on. It hurts. <laughs> Ken, Ken, thanks for your time. Have fun today, okay? Yeah, thanks a lot, Michael. We're talking sports on your way home. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the Sports Cage. As you heard, our text line, 936-6262, taking your text on the news of the day. Bo Levi Mitchell's at the top of that list because he is, I guess, re-signed in Hamilton. He was their property. They traded for his rights in the offseason to get the jump on free agency, and they signed him a couple of weeks outside of free agency. Kind of a head-scratcher that he didn't test free agency, but each to their own. One guy that's a pending free agent is... Shaq Evans, and he joins us in the Western Pizza Hotline. Get it hot, get it fast, Western Pizza. Shaq, how are you today, my friend? I'm doing fine. How are you, Mike? Good, man. So where where are you? Back in California? Where are you now? Yeah, I just got back a couple days ago. I drove back. Uh, got here Saturday night. All right. So um, what does the offseason look like for you right now? Like, Are you working out, running routes, uh, speed training? What's it look like for you, Shaq? Did we lose him? Hello. Oh, sorry. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I got my hair. Okay. okay so. uh, yeah, it's um, right now. I, yeah, I just got back, so I'm about to start getting into my training, like for real, for real. Like while I was in Saskatchewan, I was doing some lifts, doing some you know light runs and stuff like that, and on the treadmill and on the little turf we have in there. But once uh, next week comes, I'm gonna start hitting the ground. You know, everything routes, yeah. weight training. Skills training, all that. So, uh, yes, it's getting there. So, you're a 32 year old guy. You've had uh, some uh, some foot injuries or whatever here the last couple of years. Almost weren't they pretty similar? Those injuries. Yeah, they're the exact same. <laughs> so, uh, now, did the medical staff tell you? Was that something that is common, or was it like a freak thing where it just happens to be the same kind of injury? Uh, no this 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 is it was just it was just like freak really to have the same injury on two different legs um like in the exact same spot is just oh. it's crazy so like the exact same injury on the left leg in 21 and then the right leg in 22 so when, was, when you hurt yourself Shaq did you know it was the exact same injury in Montreal there when you went down I had a feeling yeah cuz I felt cuz the first time I didn't the first time and uh, I didn't feel the. I didn't really feel the crack. I just just felt the, like the pain, but I didn't. I thought it was going to be like a high ankle sprain. But this time in Montreal, like I felt, I felt the crack, so I knew that it could it could be similar, and I'd be out for a while. Mm. So uh, you know, it's one of those things. We it's not like a nagging thing where you had a knee injury and it's the same knee. It's the same injury on two different legs. So uh, I guess yeah. that, I guess that's good. What also plays, I think, into your advantage is you're 32 on your birth certificate. But of course, we had COVID and everything too. So there's not as much wear and tear on your tires as say a, a regular 32 year old receiver. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I missed the and then with the injuries the last two years, I guess that helps too. Uh, didn't get to play all, didn't get to play the thirty-two games that we played in the regular season. I only played in maybe 
17 or 18 of them. So I missed the, uh, missed the, so I guess that, that does play to my advantage. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, where does it stand with you right now? Uh, what have the riders said to you? Have they offered you anything? Where does it stand right now, Shaq? No, I don't, I don't, I don't think, I don't, I doesn't, I don't know really. Uh, my agent said that it doesn't look like they're going to make an offer, but I mean, we never know what can happen. We, they, uh, I don't know if they're really contacting any veteran receivers that we had last year yet, but um, if they are, then I don't know. But I feel like they're still trying to figure out their direction on offense. I know they got the coordinator and everything, but you don't. We still don't have a quarterback and and things like that. So I think they're trying to figure that out first. But who knows? But I don't. I don't. In, in my opinion, I don't think I'll be back inside. I mean, uh, I always. You know, I love playing in pass and will want to be there, but. If it if it does doesn't work out, then it doesn't work out, and I'm I'll be excited for my my next opportunity wherever it will be. Yeah, does that disappoint you in terms of uh, not being back here, and that they wouldn't uh, offer you anything? Uh, yeah, that, yeah, I can't lie and say it doesn't. It, it definitely is a little disappointing because I I know I have a lot left in the tank. I know I'm not a normal thirty uh, two year old guy. Like I I don't even feel thirty two like that in any way. I have a I have a lot of a lot of football left in me, so. It's a little disappointing because that's the place I played, you know, four seasons there and, and had and had some, had some success and had some, you know, a lot of ups, a lot of downs, but it's still the first place I could, like, call home, you know, as a professional. So it's definitely a little disappointing, but, you know, it's, it's a business and I understand it. So there's no, there'll definitely not be any hard feelings or anything. Well, from your standpoint, too, though, you'd kind of want, now you know who the OC is here in Saskatchewan if things were to work out here, but yeah. there's no there's no quarterback here. So uh, yeah. when, when you're looking for a play, Shaq, Give me the you know is there a is there a is there a wish list of three that that you look at and I, and people say it's not about the money but let's be honest we say you're 32 but you're not like you're 32 but you are 32 Shaq so money has to play yeah, into it yeah 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 definitely definitely um I haven't I don't know I don't really have a top three I mean I I have you know there's there's guys that I that, there's quarterbacks out there that I like you know things like that um you know I know I know Jake Mayer personally um we train a lot together uh. During the off season, we we throw a lot, like at least you know two three times a week. So um, that's a guy I like, and and who 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 wouldn't like Bo Levi Mitchell? I mean, he's he's proven. He's a he's a guy that uh, has proven that he can win this league and, and make big plays. You know, most of the time when he's out there. So you know, those are those are guys that um you know um that I like, and uh, who uh, Trevor Harris is another another good one that's going to be a, a free agent. So you know, there's there's guys there's there's guys out there that I like and things like that, but. I haven't really come down to like a top three in terms of teams yet, but um, you know, I know that for me that obviously money is a factor, and then obviously quarterback is a factor because I'm like you said, I am 32, so I don't have years to to waste when it comes to money or winning, and I and I still want to win. Is a quarterback more important than who the head coach is for you as a receiver? Uh, I would I would I would say so. Like I I've like played for a lot of different head coaches, so. I feel like I've I've had success with different guys, and I, it's all based on the quarterback. At the end of the day, that's who's throwing me the ball. That's who I'm meeting with, you know, after practice. That's who I'm watching film with. That's who I'm that's who I'm um, getting in a, getting in one on court with. So at the end of the day, uh, head coaches don't really you know make that difference between a, a receiver and a, and a and a quarterback. Mm-hmm. So uh, how frustrating of a year was this personally and as a team? Because uh, there were high expectations going into to last season. Yeah, personally, I had high expectations, and, and team wise, we did as well. I, I felt I felt strong. I felt I felt uh, getting that whole off season to let my foot or my ankle heal completely all the way. 
I felt I felt like myself again, and I, in the first two games I, that, that this season, I felt like I was really getting back to myself, like I was making big plays and, and big moments and things like that. So I, I felt like I felt everybody and everybody on the team was telling me that they felt like this was 2019 Shaq all over again, like that's where I was headed, and I felt the same. And so to get that injury on a play where it, when you watch the film, it doesn't even look like anything happened. So for it to happen like that was was super frustrating because I knew the type of year. That I, that I would have had individually. And then for a team, as a team, it was even more frustrating because, like, that's, like, championships, you know, are something that you strive for and that are hard to do. So to have it go the way it did, you know, with the with the COVID, you know, game against Toronto, with the with the stomach bugs, the stomach bug against Winnipeg on the, in the Banjo Bowl and all the, you know, Duke getting hurt, Swerve missing the first nine games, me getting hurt, Dan Clark getting hurt. Uh, losing, having the controversy with Marino, Pete Robertson missing like five or six games. Like it was a frustrating year, you know. So just to just have everything pretty much go wrong every single time was was frustrating because we felt like we had the team. It just it just didn't work out. So where where do you think Shaq this thing went off the rails? You mentioned a bunch of different things. Did the Garrett Marino thing yeah. affect the team more than we thought it did at the time? I really, I, I don't, I don't really think that. For me, I think, I think the thing that that I really think the moment that changed our season was the 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 Winnipeg, the the Labor Day. Like I felt like we were getting ready to get back on track, and I really feel like if we would have won that game, then then things would have been different. Like certain certain wins do certain things for your confidence and certain things for your psyche, and I think that 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 was a, a big turning point in our team in terms of what happened on the field. Now off the field. Uh, I can't really say because, uh, like, I, I was hurt for the first mm-hmm. couple months, so I wasn't really around everybody all the time. So, because I was doing my rehab and stuff, mm-hmm. but, um, but, but in my opinion, the biggest thing was that Winnipeg game. I feel like if we if we finish that drive off and we and we win the game, then uh, we 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 make the playoffs at least at, at, at worst. Mm-hmm. Well, I always appreciate you taking my call, Shaq. You've been classy that way, and I look forward to seeing you somewhere in the CFL and calling your name. I'll be at a, you'll be the visitor, and I'll be calling Ryder games, maybe, at least according to you. But who knows? Stranger things have happened. Maybe they circle back to Shaq. Take care of a good offseason, okay? All right, man. Thank you for having me. Have a good one. You too. That's Shaq Evans, who says he hasn't been offered anything by the Riders and doesn't expect to be. So, times, they are a-changing. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. 620 CKRM is proud to be the official radio partner of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and your home for the hottest sports talk anywhere. This is the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. Welcome back to the Sports Cage for Saskatchewan Lotteries, the main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport culture and recreation groups. Keep the text coming at 936-6262, powered by Capital Ford Lincoln. Talking CFL football, Bowley by Mitchell signing in Hamilton, so the riders aren't the plan B, or maybe they're still in plan A. Maybe Bo wasn't plan A for them. Uh, this guy's an A1 announcer. He joins us in the Western Pizza Hotline. Your uh, play-by-play voice of the Edmonton Oilers on TV and radio, Jack Michaels. Jack, welcome to the show. Thanks for taking time out of your schedule. Oh, appreciate it, Michael. Uh, glad you're having me on. I'm I'm glad to have you on. First off, I know you're an NFL fan. If uh, my memory serves me correct, you're a Cleveland Browns fan. 
But the Bengals are favored by four points in the AFC Championship game. Do you like the Bungles to win? Uh, first of all, Michael, you've started our relationship off on this particular program in a very rocky fashion, reminding me of the Browns' futility this season. And then secondly, pointing out that the Bengals are not only in the AFC Championship game, but favored. So I will, I'll give you those two strikes. The third one, I'm going to be upset. But uh, in all seriousness, I, I, you know what? I'm, I'm a guy who... I, you know, I know, I know Cincinnati is, you know, coming off a win at Kansas City last year in the AFC Championship game. I know that Patrick Mahomes is banged up and might not be at full speed on Sunday, but I, I still have my doubts. I, I, I would have to, I would have to take Kansas City. I, if I was betting on one player to win a game, I'm not quite ready to cede the crown to Joe Burrow yet over Patrick Mahomes. And ultimately, I feel like in this game, the quarterback will be the most important player. And I know Mahomes is compromised, and I know he lost to Burrow last year. But I still feel like Patrick Mahomes is the best player in the NFL. Yeah, I don't disagree with you, but he is compromised. Normally, I would agree with you 100%. I think that ankle sprain is a big deal. I just have a tough time thinking Joe Burrow's going to beat him four times in just over a calendar year. That's the only reason well, I'm agreeing with you. Thing, yeah? Yeah, yeah. yeah, the odds, when you're talking about two you know, evenly matched teams, you know, except for the Browns and Broncos, usually the other team eventually wins. And, uh, you know, I, my childhood was, was ruined by the fact that that principle of it all evens out never materialized. But in, in this particular case, I, I agree with you. I, I don't see Mahomes losing to borrow again. And I think next year it'll be another reset. And to be honest with you, what I saw from Jacksonville and Trevor Lawrence, I think another quarterback has entered the fray. Uh, and I'm cautiously optimistic that, that Cleveland can get Deshaun Watson on the same page because it wasn't too long ago. I mean, that's the amazing thing about how quickly the worm can turn in professional sports. But it wasn't too long ago where Deshaun Watson was in that group with Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, and Josh Allen. I mean, really, you don't have to go back too long, probably 20 months, mm-hmm. and and he was right there. So. Uh, don't sleep on the Browns next year is all I'm saying, but they got a lot of stuff to figure out. Voice of the Edmonton Oilers. Not NFL, but Edmonton Oilers, Jack Michaels. And I think the Edmonton broadcast is right there among the best uh, regionally for regional broadcast in the in the NHL. You do a great job of uh, really bringing the game to life, although I guess Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, those guys on your team, uh, it, it can be easy. I wonder if you pinch yourself. That you like, you never go to a game where it's going to be boring. They might lose, they might go on a four-game slide, but it's never boring with those players on that team. Well, and, and combined with the fact that we're talking about the world's fastest sport, there's no time for tangential talk when uh, Connor McDavid is on the ice because he can turn an innocuous play into one of the most breathtaking goals you've ever seen in the bat of an eye. And and that's really what what actually helps me is is Connor McDavid being in every game helps keep me sharp every game because uh again there's there's no time for a lull in energy, there's no time for a lapse in concentration. 
uh, you have to bring it because you know 97 is going to bring it every night. Do you have a favorite call so far? One that you kind of, yeah, you probably, like most broadcasters, you don't like to watch yourself or listen to yourself, but do you have a favorite call? I love the brawl a couple years ago. Uh, I remember my son was on his recruiting trip to North Dakota, and we were listening to that in our hotel room, that, that uh, fight between Calgary and Edmonton uh, with Smith and the other goalie. But do you have a favorite call? Well, I, I think it's related to probably the most significant event Edmonton has had since its last, you know, Stanley Cup win in 1990, or arguably the last time they ended a, a battle of Alberta with a, you know, an overtime playoff goal. That's a Tikkanen did it in 1991, and, and mm-hmm. Connor McDavid's goal to eliminate Calgary in Game Five of last year's Battle of Alberta, the first one in 31 years. I think when you live here, Michael, uh, it, you you have an appreciation for, for what that goal meant, what that series meant to the province. It's not unlike uh, what the riders mean to the province of Saskatchewan and how significant uh, some of their signature wins have been. Uh, the same goes for the Battle of Alberta. It, it, it really did kind of capture the province in a way that we haven't seen for 30-some-odd for years. So uh, for McDavid to win it uh, and, and put a punctuation mark on a Probably the most wildly entertaining five-game series in the history of the NHL or the NBA. Uh, I would put that one right at the top of the list. Jack, as a as an American, I mean, you know who the Oilers were because you're a longtime hockey guy. But as an American, now being there for a while, do you appreciate being the voice of the Oilers and being in that hockey town more than when you first got there? Obviously, you would. But I guess how how big is your appreciation for it now? Well, I don't know how much you know about my career, but I mean, I, I did 900 plus games in the minors, mm-hmm. minor pro hockey, uh, which in the United States is ultimately far bigger than here. But think how much you know major junior would mean here in junior A. Mm-hmm. Minor pro hockey is 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 the way guys like me advance through this business, and to you know not only do 900 plus minor pro hockey games, but also an additional three or four years of you know, high school hockey and standing out in the rain on a <laughs> box cell phone calling in quarterly reports for some low-level high school football game. And I don't mean low-level, but I mean, you know, when you're when you're at that point in the business, let's be honest, you're not high up on the ladder. Uh, you know, the kids are trying, and it's still fun to cover, but you've got a long way to go. And so really for, for me, I mean, you know, appreciating, you know, being the voice of the Oilers, is a natural thing because, you know, I always say that, you know, when you work toward a goal and you reach your goal, your worst day on the level that that goal is at is always going to be better than the best day before you reach that goal. Good point. And I'm sorry to talk in platitudes, but honestly, I mean, uh, in more simplistic terms, I would say my worst day in the National Hockey League is 10 times better than any day I had in the minor leagues. And that's not to slam where I came from. I'm very proud of, of the work that I put in to get here. But you have, I think, as deep an appreciation as anyone in the game when you know you put in the time, you quote-unquote pay your dues. Not that you necessarily have to. I mean, you know, guys are talented enough sometimes that – that they're in the league before I did. I don't resent those guys. But, you know, when you talk about appreciation, that's probably the characteristic or the feeling that comes most naturally to me because of where I come from. And lastly, Jack, how are you feeling about this Oilers team? I look at this schedule. It looks very favorable uh, 
to them if they don't Edmonton oiler it, as I like to say, and, and give away some games? Well, I mean, look, it's an 82-game schedule. I, I don't think tossing away a few are, are unique to the Edmonton Oilers. <laughs> I understand your greater point. you got to bear down, and you've got the next seven games against bottom ten teams in the National Hockey League, but you can't treat it as such. And I think Jay Woodcroft, going into the Vancouver game on Saturday night, was very mindful of that and, and said, hey, you know, it's great to beat Tampa Bay and Seattle, but it means nothing if you if you backslide and, and let one get away in Vancouver. And I think the Oilers will be repeating that mantra several times over the next few weeks. But, I, I mean, look, I, I said it when, you know, Edmonton was sputtering along at three or four games over 500 as recently as a couple of weeks ago. I said, look, they, you know, they haven't seen Columbus. They haven't seen Philly. They haven't seen Ottawa. They've played Anaheim once. They haven't seen San Jose at that particular point in time. You know, scheduling does matter, and I'm not I'm not making excuses, but there's a difference in my mind between an excuse and a reason. And you know, is part of the reason Edmonton has won six straight because they got healthy and felt good about themselves with two lopsided mm-hmm. wins over Anaheim and San Jose? Of course it is. Yeah, I mean it's 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 the same way as that. You know, a, a football team. You know, going into you know, going into Edmonton, for instance, this year, or Saskatchewan down the stretch, and winning, you know, twenty by twenty or twenty-five, you're naturally going to feel better about yourself. Now, is some of that based on the fact that the other team is struggling mightily? Yeah, I mean, I think you'd agree with me that a win over Saskatchewan this year in Week Four meant a lot more than a win over Saskatchewan in Week Week Seventeen. Yep. I mean, by then the the Riders were were not what they were three months ago, but it still, you know, enables those clubs to feel good about themselves. So I think Edmonton has to, you know, feel confident, but at at the same time, you know, take advantage. I mean, this is now their time to feast on some teams, you know, below them in the standings. And you're absolutely right. They cannot afford to let three or four get away over this next stretch because that's what ends up costing you home ice in the first round, a division championship. You end up paying for it at some point, even if you still make the playoffs. Jack, always a pleasure to have you on. Thanks for taking time out of your schedule. Enjoy your work and continued success in the booth, okay? You bet anytime. Take care. That's Jack Michaels, TV and radio voice of the Edmonton Oilers. When we come back, Arash Madani joins us from Sportsnet here on the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at SportsCage. Now back to the action on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Chris Cuthbert on the call. William Nylander, four-point night, two goals, two assists as the Toronto Maple Leafs take down the New York Islanders 5-2. to two. The Leafs are nestled in that second spot in the Atlantic as I don't think anybody will be catching the Boston Bruins. William Nylander is your sports cage clutch performer for Nick Service in Emerald Park, your local Massey Ferguson challenger, Rogator gleaner, and fent dealer. Give them a call at 781-1077. 
All right. Uh, time now to uh, check our text line. But just ahead of Arash Madani, 936-6262. It's humming. Go ahead, Zinger. What do you got? Hal's on the text line says, uh, this frees up a lot of cap space. Dane Evans has a lot of potential with the right scheme, Hal says. I would love to see the Riders make Brett Jones the highest paid offensive lineman in the CFL if possible as well. So that's from Hal on the mm. text line. We also have another text here that says, please, please, Riders, no. No, Dane Evans. He's brutal. Put money on the offensive line and groom a new guy. Fine is definitely uh, someone that uh, should not be in the plan, says this texter. So 50-50, want Dean Evans. 50-50, do not want Dean Evans on go. the text line. Yeah, right. let's, let's get to this guy here. Time now for Coast to Coast with Arashma Danny, our weekly chat with a guy who has covered it all. From Hockey Night in Canada, the Olympics, World Series Baseball, and everything in between, this is Coast to Coast with Arashma Danny. All right, Arash, I had heard rumors about this behind the scenes that this was probably going this way. By this, I mean Bo Levi Mitchell going to sign with Hamilton. But he was on this show and said... I am going to free agency. He told me behind the scenes, I am going to free agency. You can bank on it. And he doesn't go to free agency. So I'm going to color me shocked. I'm actually shocked, and I mean this not sar- sarcastically, that he he's two weeks away from free agency, or three. Why wouldn't you go? Because you take the money. Uh, Ballsy, you take the money, you have sat down, the opportunity has been presented to you that, hey, TSN's just 45 minutes down the road. Hey, we have a lot of connections with the people who are high up uh, at the network there. When you want to get into life after football, you're very close to the Toronto market where there's a lot happening here. We're hosting the Grey Cup uh, next season. You and Tommy Condell are both football nerds. Uh, football junkies, you guys can get in the lab together. Condell, the play caller, he's going to let you have some input on what you want to do. There's stability here with this franchise. Orlando's the president of football operations as well. He's going to be here for a little bit. Um, and the East is winnable. And so, so you kind of put all that together and, oh yeah, the money, and there you go. So you think that was a better move? Then... Then Saskatchewan. That was that was the other option. Let's be honest. I had heard BC was kind of interested, but only on a one-year deal. And let's be honest. If Farhan Lalshi's reporting is to be believed, and I have no reason not to believe it, it's five twenty, it's five forty, it's five sixty. But the five forty and the five sixty aren't guaranteed on paper. So so really, he went for one year five hundred and twenty thousand dollars. The Riders would have gone well, five. Who- the Riders would have gone five twenty. I can tell you that right now for free, not putting words in their mouth, but they would have gone 520 and he would have made way more off the field with way more things off the field and been a way bigger deal in Saskatchewan. And I don't think Hamilton, and I'm the voice of the riders, so say what you will, Hamil- these aren't the Hamilton Tiger Cats of 2019 or 2021. These are the 8 and 10 Hamilton Tiger Cats that weren't blowing the doors off anybody. They played one more game than Saskatchewan. Translation, they're not much better than Saskatchewan. And everything that could go wrong for the Riders went wrong last year. But what have we talked about? This almost is tied into 
the offensive coordinator conversation we were having before the holidays. Bo, Bo Levi Mitchell was on this show. Bo was on this show, and he said, I want to have a hand in the playbook. Tommy Condell might be a football nerd, yeah. but like all OCs are rash, he has his own way of doing things. If you have a guy like... No, Kel- no, I've worked with Tommy a couple of times. Okay. Tommy wants input. Tommy allows guys to have an imagination, have a way of... Tommy will say, look, here are our plays. This is what we do. What do you think? How, you know, on day three, and especially walkthrough day, when they start scripting together what they want to do, he'll mm-hmm. say to Bo, what are you comfortable with? What's working for you right here? And that, that that's part of it. So my question to you, my question to you is... Hold what, on, real what, quick. Yeah? Real quick. Who do you feel has a longer shelf life of employment? The trio of Steinauer, Condell, Washington, or O'Day, Dickinson, Jeffrey? Well, I think on paper right now, it's the it's the uh, former, not the latter. But to suggest mm-hmm. su- suggest that Orlando Steinauer has this... Uh, has this, um, like he's got all the security. He doesn't. He doesn't. He has to win. He lost two Grey Cups, and he was one game better. But after losing the second one, he got promoted. Sure, he got promoted, but did nothing this year. So I wouldn't say he's exactly, uh, he's not exactly Dave Dickinson, um, uh, Mike O'Shea. He's, he may be a step ahead of, of, uh, of, uh, Craig Dickinson. But my question to you is, with two and a half to go in this conversation, was that the right move for Bo Levi Mitchell, do you think, given Saskatchewan, given Hamilton? Well, for Bo, obviously, it was the right move, but, I just I understand why he made the move. I'm not surprised that he went there. I'm a little. Uh, what caught me off guard is that he didn't go to free agency, um, but maybe he had a feeling of okay. Even if I get to free agency, I know what Saskatchewan's offering anyway. You know, there wasn't much of a surprise waiting for him in terms of what the riders were going to be. You know how Bo is. You know how the CFL is. Ballsy, everybody talks to everybody. There's, you know, there's mm-hmm. backroom conversations. Uh, Bo knew what the riders' offer was going to be. There were going to be no secrets either way. So, so I got about a minute and a half with you, Arash, and we. this is a conversation yeah. we can continue to have. But right now on the surface, what do you think the riders should do? I don't know what options are really out there other than Dane Evans and Cody unless you're willing to offer up a ton for Chad Kelly who may offer more question marks right now, unproven, unknown, other than really a half of a great, not even a half, a quarter of a great cup. Um, Right now, you know. MBT. Look around. MBT, Trevor Harris. If there's a way you could get Trevor Harris, go all in on him. Because I think because I, I think Hamilton is going to go all in on Geno Lewis to to team up with uh, Bo Levi Mitchell. They have a friendship. I would like to see if the Riders, you know, maybe the Riders go after a Geno Harris package. Yeah, that would be that would be outstanding. Look, I'll tell you this: if Hamilton goes after Bo and Geno, good luck managing the cap when you're going to be spending that kind of money because we saw wide receiver money mm. last offseason get to as high as 300000 Well, the ri- if you could get Harris and Geno as a package deal in Sask, do it. Well, and the Riders don't have 
they're probably not going to re-sign Duke. We just had Shaq on saying he's probably not coming back. So that's uh, close to 400,000 in two receivers. You get, uh, you get, uh, Harrison here, 480, 490. I don't know. Interesting. Going to be very interesting. Arash, yeah. we got plenty to talk about on Thursday. Thanks for the spirited debate. I appreciate it. Always good, boss. Thanks. That is uh, Arash Madani, and his segment is brought to you by our good friends over there at Smarting, uh, Smart Investing Solutions. Be smart with your money. Call Brian Golly at Smart Investing Solutions, 546-2533. Your sports ticker at 431s for Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They will treat you right. Give them a call. Give them a call, rather, 781-2090. Bill O'Brien has agreed to a deal to become New England's next offensive coordinator, making his return to New England. And the NFL announces that Carl Sheffers, who led the NFL in penalties per game in each of the last two seasons, by the way, will uh, ref uh, Super Bowl 57. CFL report with Michael Ball chatting with Bo Levi Mitchell back in November. Hey, you're the biggest newsmaker here in this free agency period, no doubt about it. Not often does a 32-year-old with lots of gas left in the tank that's a Hall of Famer get to be uh, on the free agent market. So you know, obviously, like we said, Hamilton traded for the right so they can negotiate with you. First, you talked in the past. I don't think it's changed. You are going to look at free agency. That'd be smart. You know, the riders are uh, probably going to kick the tires here. Um, So I look at the rider situation. Bo, talk as much as you want. You, you know, you got a coach and a GM that are on the last years of a deal. So my thing would be how it's obviously very important that that offensive coordinator is something that's enticing to you. I, I think I'd be right if I said that. Yeah, for me, I mean, I you know, I, I've said multiple times, like you just you just repeated, was I want to wait till free agency, and, and that's not it's not because of a dollar amount. You know what I mean? Like. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to free agency to say, well, oh, let's see who can pay me the highest. I've, I've, I've gotten paid, you know, good money throughout the, you know, course of my career. And, you know, for me on this, you know, back half of my career, I want to, I want to continue to win. I want to continue to push the envelope as far as breakups. And, um, and that can't happen without a coordinator that's willing to collaborate, you know, without a guy that, um, you know, ready to go and experienced and, and just, you know, excited about the next step. And I think coordinator for me is that position that I really want to see. As far as when I get to free agency, um, that's the reason I want to be there. I want to know. It's, it's hard because if I sign a team right now, I don't know that their offensive coordinator doesn't leave or their you know defensive coordinator doesn't leave, and now players want to leave with that defensive coordinator. Um, so that's the big thing for me is I want to see where coaches land. So I'll be able to see that in the next couple of weeks. Um, but then after that, okay, now as free agency comes, boy, you know, if, if this D coordinator leaves, what players off that team are going to leave? If this if this offensive coordinator goes to, you know, where stats, let's say, okay, what players are going to want to go play for that guy at stats? You know, so it's about seeing the landscape, um, understanding the culture that I want to be around. And, and honestly, Hamilton's done a great job explaining that to me and showing it to me. Um, I think there's multiple people, obviously, in the CFL that can create a culture and, and have that. Um, like you said, yeah, two guys under one-year contract is tough. But, you know, J.O. has proven to be a, a smart guy in this league and signed a lot of great players. Um, Craig, you know, took those guys to back-to-back West Finals. So, um, you know, I don't think it's a, hey, these guys are one and done no matter what. Obviously, if, if that goes out and it's successful this year, I think those guys will be up and are, you know, there for a while. So, um, yeah, for me, it's, it's about seeing where the coordinators end up and kind of what players, I think, end up uh, following those guys. The Kings of Saskatchewan Sports Talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM.
Welcome back to the Sports Cage. And the Sports Cage is brought to you by our friends at Saskatchewan Lotteries, the main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport, culture, and recreation groups. You can keep the text coming at 936-6262. we got a lot of them. All our guests come to you via the Western Pizza hotline, dinnertime, game time, anytime. A great time to order Western Pizza. Coming up, we'll have a pick six. Get to some of your texts. And Mason Fine, Rough Rider quarterback under contract, will join us after five. Voice of the Calgary Stampeders, Mark Steven joins us. He, of course, got the call a lot of games with Bo Levi. Mitchell, who is a very storied quarterback there, Hall of Famer, no doubt about it. Uh, your thoughts on Bo Levi Mitchell signing in Hamilton? Well, first of all, thanks for having me. Uh, I, I must admit, I saw the online video of him walking into Hamilton Stadium uh, dressed in black and gold. His sneakers were black and gold, so it was a little jarring to see the end of an era, a wildly successful era with the uh, Calgary Stampeders. This is all official now. He's a member of another team. Uh, I'm not in the slightest bit surprised he signed there, though. I mean, the Tiger Cats, when they got him, uh, they got him with this in mind to make the full court press. They've got the Grey Cup there, so yeah, it's uh, not a surprise that he signed there, just a very different to see for sure. So you're not shocked at all, Mark Steven, that a guy who's 32, almost 33, gets a chance at one last big payday and all the perks and bells and whistles that come with it is uh, let's see here, he's about three weeks out of free agency, the last real time he's going to have a kick at the cat and he's, so to speak, and he's not going to peek over the fence to see, let's be honest, what the Rough Riders have to offer, the mecca of football, the best facility in the CFL. He's not going to look over the fence. I think that's a big mistake. Well, he doesn't think so. Um, he, he, I talked to him about uh, half an hour ago, and uh, he just said that, uh, you know, he had some things he wanted to look at, some things he wanted to hear, and some things that he needed to see. And he said he kept getting yes, yes, yes to everything that Hamilton was talking about. And after a while, he just got to say, well, what exactly are we going to get uh, anywhere else? Is there going to be more money? Is there going to be more of this, more of that? He just said this was the spot. He liked the roster. So uh, away you go. He just decided uh, that Hamilton signed. But uh, I'm not surprised that he signed there. I mean, the Tiger Cats wanted to make him a priority and, uh, you know, reverse their long Grey Cup drought. They haven't won since 1999. They're the only team that hasn't won a cup in this century. So uh, here's something I always hear from Ryder fans, Mark. Well, why didn't the Riders make a trade for him like Hamilton did? And my response is, unless the Riders would have given... John Huffnagel a King's Ransom, which they never would have done. There was no way John Huffnagel was trading Bo Levi Mitchell to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. He was sending him as far away from the West as he could. Do you agree with that statement? I think there's certainly some of that. Uh, I guess we can flip it the other side. Did the Rough Riders call, though? That's, that's what I'm not sure of. So I guess we'll never know that. I guess if they did, uh, Hamilton topped their offer. So, you know, uh, I, I kind of agree with you that, uh, you know, Bo Levi Mitchell was going to be uh, traded somewhere. So I'm not surprised it's far away. No, that uh, it's possibly, uh, you know, the Hamilton destination that popped up to the front. I wondered about Toronto, too, to tell you the truth, because there's so many people he's familiar with there. But it's uh, Hamilton and uh, good for the Tiger Cats for uh, stepping up and jumping in and uh, grabbing him. If that's what they think their need was, they went out and got it there. What do you think of Bo Levi Mitchell in terms of what he's got left in the tank? Do you think he's got a lot left in the tank? Did that decision to go from uh, Bo Levi Mitchell to Jake Mayer make sense to you because their records weren't a lot different and their stats weren't a lot different? Uh, Your thoughts? 
Well, first of all, yeah, this decision was going to have to come down eventually anyway because, you know, Jake Mayer was eligible for free agency right now, although they, you know, they signed him, obviously, and mm-hmm. so was Bo Levi Mitchell. Do I think Bo has uh, something left? I do. Is he uh, where he was in 17 and 18 and 16 when he won MOP and Grey Cups? Probably not. Uh, you know, he wasn't quite on the same page with some of his receivers here, and there were a few things, but to say that he's uh, fallen off the table would be a little unfair. But uh, So I think he's got some Thing. I think he'll help stabilize that Hamilton team. Let's, you know, they started off a really rocky last year, and just I just think they completely lost their confidence and kind of lost their way. So he'll help stabilize that. So uh, no question about it. Uh, I think he's going to be an asset to them. Maybe not quite where he was, but uh, yes, I do think there's something left. So Dane Evans seemed to struggle, in, and I don't know the kid. Dane Evans seemed to struggle in Hamilton. Okay, Hamilton, mm-hmm. which which has an a decent fan base, but not a fan base on steroids like Saskatchewan. Would Dane, do you think Dane Evans has what it takes to be a starting quarterback in this league? Do you think he could be a nice fit in Saskatchewan? Well, we've seen two sides of him, haven't we? I mean, you know, he was uh, tremendous in 21, and then last year uh, it just uh, fell completely apart in the earliest part of the season. He just lost his confidence, lost games, uh, couldn't seem to make it happen down the stretch. Uh, you know, I'd give the guy another chance. Why not? He's done it, and, uh, you know, he had Hamilton into the Grey Cup at home in 21, so I'd give him another shot. Uh, is he going to prosper? I can't say for sure, but give him another chance, give him an opportunity, and see what he can do. Uh, you know, I talk to him a bit. I don't pretend to know him really well, but I think he's a smart enough and stable enough guy that uh, he could handle whatever's thrown at him and uh, give him another shot. So so, so given that, okay, like I think the ride, I don't think the riders, I think that it's done with Cody. People still say, bring Cody back. I think that is done. And I think Dane, obviously, they can't afford two big contracts, so either by a trade or a release, Dane Evans won't be in Hamilton anymore. But if you're the riders and knowing what you know from the riders regime, they have to win now. Jeremy O'Day and Craig Reynolds, or Craig Dickinson, pardon me, need to win. Now, maybe Craig Reynolds, too. They need to win yeah. now. Would you, you know, if, if you were running a team, Dane Evans, or would you sign McLeod, Bethel Thompson, or Trevor Harris? What would rank those three in order for me? Because those would be three names. Chad Kelly's an outlier, depending what what uh, Toronto does, but Chad Kelly's a guy that isn't really proven, except for a few stints here and there, although one of the stints was on the biggest stage. How would you rank those three quarterbacks? Dane, MBT, Trevor Harris, in terms of how you would uh, uh, target them. Well, if uh, money wasn't the factor, and you know we're going to pay them the same, and they all agreed to the terms, I would go uh, with number one, the Cloud Bethel Thompson. I think he's got a fabulous record with Toronto. He's done really well. Probably Trevor Harris, uh, number two, and then Dane Evans, not as experienced as the other guys. I mean, you know, Harris has been in and played in Grey Cup games, so uh, that's the order that I would go with them. I, I think the Cloud Bethel Thompson. I don't know why he takes such a beating or is always uh, looked down upon when you talk about the top quarterbacks in the league. But his record over the last two years. Is as, as good as anybody. So that's how I would go with them. Of course, McLeod Bethel Thompson's issue is uh, w- whether he's going to play or not. Yeah, that's the big thing. Uh, uh, you know, and then, then we had Chad Kelly on who said he'd love to play in Saskatchewan if given an opportunity. Feels like he can be a starting quarterback. He's a wild card at 29. I think the fans would uh, love it. You got to kind of sell some hope. And, you know, Calgary's got a future now with Jake Mayer. How do you think the Stampeders offseason's gone so far? What do you anticipate from them in terms of maybe players or areas they'll be? targeting here in the free agency. 
Well, so far, I would say it's gone pretty good in terms of the uh, players that they have signed. But we're kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop uh, on three players in particular. Free agency, uh, Jameer Thurman is eligible for free agency. So is Flor Ormalad on the defensive line and Sean Lennon. I think those are three that want to get uh, wrapped up. Uh, they've done pretty good so far, but uh, Dave Dickens has said part of the issue is uh, players at the lower end, because the minimum has gone up, are squeezing some of the guys at the other end. So maybe there isn't as much money out there. Uh, you know, in terms of signing players, uh, they're going to run a bunch of camps in March and April in the South, and we'll just see what they come up with. But, uh, you know, overall, they're still a good team. Uh, maybe not the top team, but they're still a very team. So I would say they are just going to keep plowing ahead and Dave uh, Dickinson's ball to run with now. This is one of the great authoritative voices in the CFL longtime announcer for the Calgary Stampeders, Mark Steven. Thanks for your time, Mark. Always appreciate our chats both on the air and off the air. Thank you. There you go. Thank you very much. Appreciate the call. Always good to talk football. Lots to talk about now and in the near future. Yeah, yeah. it's getting fun. All right. Thanks to Mark Steven for joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. When we come back, we'll address a few of your texts. You can call in too and uh, pick six. It's the Sports Cage for Saskatchewan Lotteries on 620 CKRM. Saskatchewan's best coverage of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders is on the Sports Cage right here on the mighty 620 CKRM. For another pick six with Ballsy and friends, as they give their take on six sports topics of the day. Time now for a pick six. So, Bo Levi Mitchell has signed a three year deal with the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Look, I thought at one point it would be 65 35 that Bo would be a Rough Rider, but then Mark Mueller, his buddy, stayed in Calgary. Still, I thought Bo would be a Rider because. He told me personally and on this show that he was going to free agency. And I thought if that was the case, I was confident the Riders could offer him more in terms of popularity, money, because of the off-field opportunities, endorsements, better facilities, better fan base, and his dollar here goes farther than Ontario. Basically, as I told him on a couple of occasions, you grew up wanting to be an NFL quarterback, Bo, and this is your chance to feel like one. So a Hall of Fame quarterback at 32 with the chance for one last big payday doesn't test free agency? Now, I don't think the Tiger Cats are so much better than the Riders, and I don't believe Bo thinks that either. So maybe it's the structure of the teams right now. Maybe he feels like it's a more stable situation with the coaching and front office. Maybe they blew his socks off with money and opportunities. Once again, I don't think better than what the Riders could have offered. Maybe it's proximity to Toronto. He wants to be on TSN, so there's that. Although I could tell you for free, this guy here was working on getting him his own show right here on 620 CKRM. I do know one thing for sure. It was a family decision. So, I wish Bo all the best, and I hope the Riders beat the brakes off him when he comes here to Mosaic Stadium. It's on to Plan B for your Rough Riders. Dane Evans, McLeod Bethel-Thompson, Trevor Harris, Chad Kelly, Nick Arbuckle, Mason Fine. Who knows? The Bengals are now favorites in the AFC Championship game. High ankle sprain for Patty Mahomes. Some people say it's worse than breaking your ankle. 
very painful and it will limit improvising. That's part of Mahomes' game, as you know. Since he is well coached, good and tight games, and road warriors. And Joe Burrow is a stud. He's like Peyton Manning and Tom Brady when it comes to breaking down a defense. And the Bengals have more weapons than KC. It's going to come down to which defense holds up better. And consider this. The number one seed is rarely an underdog in the conference championship game. And when it's an injury to the starting quarterback is usually the reason. The last number one seed to be an underdog in the conference championship was 2017 when the Eagles were three-point underdogs against the Vikings in the NFC championship game. That's because Nick Foles started in place of Carson Wentz. The Eagles won that game and the Super Bowl. Chad Henney will start if Mahomes can't. I love football, and I thought I knew the rules, but two emerge from the Cowboys-Niners game I never knew. When a quarterback throws the ball out of bounds, it has to hit the ground or someone on the sidelines before the clock stops. And when a player is knocked backwards going out of bounds at the end of a half or a game, the clock doesn't stop. It's a great sports day when you learn something new. Number four in the pick six. The Buffalo Bills play in crappy, inclement weather for over half the season. So why does a cold-weather team run their offense like they're playing in San Diego? Man, the Bills got to fix that old line and get a running game. You had Josh Allen. Why didn't you use his feet earlier in the game? I don't understand how these coaches make millions of dollars and don't know what's going on. Like, that team was so unprepared on Sunday. Long bombs in the snow. That's not a game plan. That's called winging it. I know this is old news, but I haven't talked about it yet. The Vancouver Canucks are a grease fire. I don't remember in my 40 years of paying attention to sports an organization botching a firing like this. Boudreaux pulled that team off the mat last season. And someone please take me by the hand and show me some clarity here. Boudreaux is a proven winning coach. His replacement, Rick Tockett, has been a head coach for six seasons in the NHL, missed the playoffs five times, and was knocked out in round one in the other season. And he's going to clean up this mess? Sure, there are other pathetic pro sports teams in North America, but none worse than the Canucks. What a disaster. Kudos to Regina sports fans for showing up to watch this talented Regina Pats hockey team. Crowds are picking up. We just had our first sellout of the season at the Brand Center, and the team carries a four-game winning streak into Sunday's home game. Connor Bedard, of course, you know, is worth the price of admission, but so is Sposal, Suzdalev, Howe, Sim, and others. And Sunday's game is a family-friendly 4 p.m. start. Let's keep that momentum going, folks. Let's go, Pats. And time for your extra point. Regina Youth Flag Football League is the biggest it's ever been. Ballooning to over 3,000 kids playing, and they're going to be desperately needing coaches and volunteers. Go to their Facebook page, the Regina Youth Flag Football League, and that Facebook page for more information. Hey, I got this uh, tweet at the Real Ballsy. That's where you follow me on Twitter from David Larson. I think he's out in a sin boy. He goes by at um, at a sin boy at Dave. It's okay to admit when you're wrong, Ballsy. Uh, I'm I'm okay admitting when I'm wrong. I don't care. I made a prediction. Um, I'll tell you. 
why I thought he was coming here. Because he said on the show he's going to free agency. He told me off the air, he being Bo Levi Mitchell, that he's going to free agency. Okay? I was a lot closer to this than just putting stuff out on Twitter and talking to the guy. I knew what was going on behind the scenes. I know a lot of stuff that I'm not going to say. Okay? Um, That's why I thought... If he got here, it would be a coin flip because once he gets here, yeah, Hamilton's got nice facilities. Zinger, do they have nicer facilities than the Riders? No. Does anybody? No, man. Okay. Tim Horton's field is like as generic as it gets when it comes to a cookie cutter. They got a good fan base, not a great fan base. Do they have a more stable situation in Hamilton? Sure, they do. I don't know if it's as stable as people. Well, I don't think so either. He's got a winner. He'll get fired too because he was in two great cups and didn't win. And they he's not done anything. They have. One, they had one, they, they beat the Riders here, or there, pardon me. We beat them here, they beat us there pretty handily when we had to win to get into the playoffs, basically. And they got in and lost in their first playoff game. So really, are they that much better than the Riders? No. Riders have a lot of cap room. Now they're going to have to be creative with it and what can they do. But that's why I thought, no harm, no foul. Let's move on. Bo, good luck to Bo. When he comes here, we can be in a full throat and hate him as much as we did. And we can beat the brakes off him. I I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what the Riders do quarterback-wise. Well, Got some about, there? Yeah, how about if the Riders... Uh, play the Hamilton Tiger Cats in the Grey Cup at Tim Hortons Field with Dane Evans under center for the Riders against Bo Levi Mitchell of the Hamilton Tiger Cats. No, 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 no. I wouldn't want to see that. I'd want to see Dane Evans as the quarterback and Bo Levi Mitchell not in the Grey Cup. So he's got to be there broadcasting it for TSN while Dane Evans, who got punted out of Hamilton, is quarterback in the Riders. That would be funny. But it would hurt even more. Imagine imagine the heartache. Let me ask you a question. I want to ask your opinion. Okay. Is Dane Evans... That much an upgrade over Cody Fajardo, in your opinion? I don't think so. I don't think it is. And to tell you the truth, I think I would rather have Cody Fajardo back under center for the Riders over Dane Evans. Can you circle back to Cody Fajardo? I, I just don't think he can at this point. But, you know, that's be, that's besides the point that I'm saying. I, I Like, without that situation happening, that's happened between the Riders and Cody. If you just take the two quarterbacks, I would rather have Cody Fajardo with history here in Saskatchewan. Now, I know it's going to be a brand new offense, but mm-hmm. what has Dean Evans done that's any well, better you were than the Kobe guy Fajardo. a while ago that said McLeod Bethel Thompson is going to be our guy. McLeod Bethel Thompson. I'm sticking to it. I'd, I would have, I'd like a McLeod Bethel Thompson or a Chad Kelly, but here's the thing, Zinger. The Riders, uh, this regime needs to win. So they need, I think they need a proven veteran guy, a guy that can sling the rock like McLeod Bethel Thompson got his team to the Great Cup, or a Trevor Harris who regularly throws for 4,000 yards. I don't know if Harris gets out of Montreal. They probably end up keeping him. So it's probably going to come down to McLeod, Dane, um, Chad Kelly, or, and Chad Kelly's got to be traded for. Gerald on the text line says, Do you guys think that the Ryder fans or us Ryder fans will support a team? With Dane Evans at the helm. Are you going to quit watching football? Like, what are you going to do? Guy could just need a change of scenery. He could. He might just need a change of scenery. He's been pretty good in Hamilton, but he was there in a platoon with Jeremiah Masoli. I think that's why you need him here with a guy that can can kind of be an equal or push him. Maybe it is a Mason Fine who's going to join us after 5 o'clock. But we need somebody that can probably push Dane. Just don't hand him the keys. Same with the Chad Kelly. Leonard, at this stage in Bo's career, Leonard says it is much easier to win a Grey Cup out east than it is in Saskatchewan. 
Saskatchewan in the West. No guarantee. We might kick his ass in the next Great Cup coming up here in, mm. in Hamilton. Fans are getting fired up. I had another one here. Vince, uh, no, that's not it. Uh, Dan says, Bo would have been crazy to sign with the Riders. No offensive line. No stability at coach or GM. Nothing, Dan says. So I think fans are kind of... Well, I, I can see why, I, Bo, from that standpoint, uh, you got coach and a GM on an expiring deal, and the O-line does have to be retooled. Um, I do think some of them sacks were not on the O-line. There are some other things in there that a, a veteran quarterback could compensate for. It's going to be very interesting to see uh, and exciting at the same time. What direction are the riders going? they got to sell some hope for the fan base. What are you hoping for now that Bo is out of the picture? 936-6262. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Sports Talk lives here. Welcome to another hour of the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. Welcome back to the Sports Cage here on 620 CKRM. The show is brought to you by Saskatchewan Lotteries. It's the main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport, culture, and recreation groups. Keep the text coming, 936-6262. A lot of people want to talk about the Riders and their future. Where do we go from here? Bo Levi Mitchell is not on the cards in terms of free agency. What do you want to see the Riders do at the quarterback position? And with that in mind, let's hit it, Zinger. You've seen them on the field. Now we dig deep to bring you a closer look at a player you'll never find on the stat sheet. This is Profiles on the Sports Cage. All right, welcome back to Football Talk here on the Cage. And we are talking with the quarterback. Let's not forget the Riders do have some quarterbacks under contract. One of them is Mason Fine. Great young Arm and mind playing for your Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Where's number eight? Hi, Mason. Thanks for taking my call. Hey, no, appreciate you having me. You know, looking forward to talking ball here. All right, so where where do we find you today on this conversation? Where are you at? Well, so right now I'm in the parking lot outside my gym here at uh, Pegs, Oklahoma. Just got <laughs> done with a workout. I'm just sitting in my truck right now. All <laughs> right, so what kind of truck do you drive, Mason? Fine. I drive a, a Toyota Tacoma 2017. Got it my sophomore year of college and uh, still driving it around. Sweet. What color is that? It's gray. Gray. I like gray. Gray's good. Gray hides gray hide scrapes and stone chips. Oh, yeah. And it hides kind of the, uh, the mud and the dirt, too, from uh, driving down the dirt roads here. So That's I a- keep it clean all the time. So what's a Mason Fine workout? Like, what would you work on today? Yeah, so today was kind of a pull day. I like to split it up throughout a week of push-pull uh, legs. And then I, later in the week, I like to do some explosiveness, some, some arm drills and stuff like that. But today was a pull day, so it consisted of some power clean, some Olympic lifts, uh, working on the back and a rotator cuff, and just kind of making sure uh, the back's you know, all good and strong and, you know, mm-hmm. ready to throw the ball, but yet withstand some hits and uh, still be able to stay explosive and stay powerful while throwing the football. Yeah, we think of quarterback, we think of the arm, and we could talk about in the, that in a bit, but we don't think a lot about the legs. Like, Just talk about the importance of your legs as a quarterback. Not, not in terms of just running, just like it's your base, it's your plant. That's where a lot of your, your strength comes from. Right, yeah, a lot of your power uh, comes from your legs. You know, starting from your feet all the way up to your hips are very important. I uh, went to a uh, the Manning Passing Academy my junior year of college, and we got to sit down with uh, 
Eli Manning and Peyton Manning, kind of asked them questions. And one of the questions was, um, you know, his workout routine. And he says, Peyton Manning said he worked out legs every single day. So legs and, and just having powerful legs are your base, and that's where all the power comes from. And making sure you have strong and, 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 and quick and flexible hips and having that mobility, too, especially in your hips and your glutes area. Is it harder to quarterback an American game or a Canadian game now that you've tasted both and had the bullets, quote-unquote, flying for real? Although I guess I don't really, in today's day and age, I don't necessarily like using that term. But now that you're, you've had live game action, what's, what's harder to quarterback? Well, I think, you know, I'm probably a little biased towards the CFL just because I grew up you know, in America, and I've always played the American game, and so that was always kind of comfortable. So the transition from high school to college wasn't easy, but it was simple. You know, the only thing I got difficult was it was just quicker gameplay. You know, the game was faster. Now, going up to, uh, you know, to Saskatchewan up here in the CFL, you know, there's a lot of different roles, and really I had trouble with the, uh, the motions and the waggle. And, and, and obviously, you know, there's 12 people on the field compared to 11 down south. So um, I think it took me longer to – to trying to get more comfortable and the game to slow down from college to the CFL than I would say going from like a high school small a high school ball in Oklahoma to Division One football down there in the NCAA. So mm-hmm. I think it probably took me a little bit longer to get comfortable with the CFL game and probably a little bit dip, more difficult for me in my certain situation. Good young gunslinger for your Rough Riders, Mason Fine. So uh, Mason, uh, assess your season for me in 2022. Your season personally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... Um, you know, there's a lot of good. Um, there's some bad that you can take away from the whole season. Um, one of the most important things is I want I wanted to come into the 2022 season and just grow off the 2021, my rookie year. You know, I didn't get a whole lot of reps uh, in training camp. was on the fourth, was on practice roster most of the time. So I really went into training camp with a chip on my shoulder, trying to be the best, um, you know, backup quarterback I could be for the team and yet support Cody in any, in any way possible. And I think I had a great training camp to start off the season. And I really think I took some stride there with all the reps that I got. And I think, you know, obviously there's some ups and downs throughout the season when I got my name called, you know, my first time going into Montreal, you know, throw an interception early, come back, we go down on a touchdown drive, and just ready to step in at any time. Um, You know, going back to that BC game a lot of my first time, you know, I came in there and we moved the ball up and down and kind of gave a little bit of spark here and there. But obviously, you know, there's some things that later on in the season where I had some reps with the ones uh, going on the last, t- last two weeks of the season. I wish we could have done a little bit more better success offensively. Obviously, we want to put more points. And uh, statistically, you know, a little bit below par of what I, you know, hold myself to a standard. And obviously getting the, the win was the most important thing. We didn't get that. So, at the end of the day, I made strides here and there. But also, we fell, fell short of what I really wanted to hold myself to. And that's what my mindset going into this offseason is going into 2023, uh, going into training camp and just getting one year better and one rep better and just keep making those strides. I think I made great strides from uh, 21 to 22. Now I need to take a bigger step forward and get better overall as a quarterback going into the 23 season. You said chip on your shoulder. Do you have a chip on your shoulder going into this year? There's a lot of uncertainty at the quarterback position. It's certain that you're coming to camp and that J.O. said we've got Dolagala under contract, but there's no quote-unquote starting quarterback. There's, you know, you just heard coming into your interview, I was talking about Bo Levi Mitchell and there was talk with the Riders be interested and there's other names floating around there. But that does that add fuel to Mason Fine's fire? Yeah, I think I've always I've always played with the chip on my shoulder. Coming out of high school, uh, didn't get recruited for many colleges. Was very under recruited. A lot of coaches told me I wouldn't make it to play college football, and especially that wasn't going to make it to play professionally. So 
a lot of a lot of that has driven me to prove uh, doubters wrong, and that's something I've always had in the back of my mind, and always played with kind of that swagger and that motivation. Uh, obviously, going to this year, it doesn't change. Um, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to play my game. Uh, I'm going to be the best quarterback I can be for the team, and and again, try to prove the doubters wrong that I can be a uh, you know a starting quarterback in this league. But also the people that do believe me, I want to prove them right. Yeah, you know, I've, as much as I talk about the doubters, I have a lot of great. I have a great support system. I have a lot of people pushing me along the way, and I just want to, uh, you know, prove them right, but also um, show that I can play uh, at a high efficient level in, in this league. So, who who are among your top supporters? Well, I think um, you know, obviously my family, my friends, uh, mom and dad, but also you know, there's some there's people in the Saskatchewan, you know, upstairs that believe in me and have showed me support since I've stepped on the stage, uh, stepped on the field there. Uh, you know, some crazy situations have happened, but, you know, I've been given the opportunity there at Saskatchewan, and they gave me opportunities on and off the field. So I think there's some people there that's pushing me to, to want to succeed and, and want to be the, the guy for the team and, uh, you know, just just want to want to prove those people right. Yeah. So uh, have the riders told you, either uh, Craig uh, Dickinson or Jeremy O'Day, what, what they have planned for you in terms of, uh, you know, the future at quarterback and the future for Mason Fine? Right. So, yeah, the, the day after the season ended, I walked into Kyle Carson, the assistant GM, and we signed that, that team option that they're going to bring you back to training camp. I talked to uh, Coach, Coach Kelly uh, earlier in the month, and we we were talking about the quarterback situation. They said they're they're going to bring a guy in, but yet you know they 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 believe that you know they have a good quarterback there already, and that uh, you know coach coach Jeffrey told me that it's going to be wide open. He said a lot of coaches and you know a lot of staff people will say it's a it's an open quarterback competition, but they're not really you know they have someone they're shooting for. He said we're really going to have it wide open, and we're going to give you uh, you know reps to to go out there and show out, and and really just kind of, like I said a wide open competition. That's that's kind of how I've been told the, the situation, and that's kind of what they're expecting me is to go in there and, and compete for the number one spot going into this training camp. Mason, sitting outside of your gym in your pickup truck, can you wait for a couple of minutes? I want to ask you some questions, but I'm late for a break. Would you mind hanging on for a few more? Yeah, sounds good. Yep. All right, that's the quarterback of your Saskatchewan Rough Riders, Mason Fine, joining us from Oklahoma. This is the Profiles feature here on the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. The Sports Cage is your locker room pass. We're talking riders on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. Your voice of Saskatchewan, your voice of Rough Rider football is 620 CKRM. Wherever you're listening, however you're listening, thanks for making us part of your day. We got to call this guy a few times during the year. Number eight, Mason Fine of your Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Kind enough to continue with us here in a second segment. Uh, Mason, there's a saying in uh, sports... In life, it's never as good as it seems. It's never as bad as it seems. Would that sum up the Rough Riders last year and going into uh, this year? Because it seems like anything that could go wrong did go wrong for that team. Yeah, I think you know that's a quote uh, that my coaches have used in high school and in college. You know, you go back and watch film, and in a loss or a win, it's never as great as it seems. Win or loss, it's never as bad as it seems. Obviously, there's just you know, there are some things here and there to go, go on through the season that, man, you know, a couple of things that might have went our way in a game. You know, we're looking at a, a better situation heading into the playoffs, and then uh, you, you never know. But, um, you know, all I can say is going into this 23 season, as I have trust in the guys upstairs to put us in the best situation to be successful, I have a complete uh, trust and, and faith in the coaches to put us in the, 
best situations to be successful. And then obviously, uh, you know, our teammates and our players would go out there and try to make it happen and, and kind of turn around, um, you know, 22 going into 23 this year and very excited going into this year and, and hopefully, hopefully turn it around and have a lot more success than we did last year. So have you talked to Kelly Jeffrey, the offensive coordinator? I know he was the running backs coach, but are you getting a sense what kind of offense uh, you might be directing uh, as a quarterback for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and, and the personality of it, what it, what it might look like here with him running the show? Right. So we talked earlier this month, and you know, I kind of already know how he is as a person and as a, a football mind. Uh, we had a great relationship last year. Uh, you know, me and him talked all the time, uh, at, you know, on away trips, in the locker room, in, in the facility, on the football field. Me and him always joked. I feel like we have a great relationship uh, to build off of last year, going into this year. So, you know, I was really excited when they announced him as the offensive coordinator, knowing that I had a great relationship, knowing that uh, we both have a mutual respect for one another as football minds. And I'm looking forward to building off, building off that relationship and seeing where it goes. Uh, I have no doubt that, you know, he's going to bring his style and his taste into this offense, and it's going to be, um, you know, great. And he's, we're going to put up some points and, and move the ball up and down the, the yard. And uh, I'm just looking forward to it. I think his football is going to be kind of uh, simplify it, make it easy on the quarterback, but yet, you know, play at a bunch of different paces and stuff. They're working on getting the whole offense uh, in a playbook, and he's going to send that out uh, very shortly to, to the queue. So, um, very very looking forward to it. All right, so uh, Mason, I had uh, Shaq Evans on here. He doesn't anticipate he'll be back, but uh, he said he loved playing here. I asked him where he thought the season went wrong. Where you know, I I think the season kind of hit the hit the skids after that Atlantic. Uh, touchdown Atlantic game after you know you guys are rolling and and Cody's having a he had a good stretch of football there and then Winton McManus makes a good football play picks it off and you guys could never seem to get back on track Shaq thought it went off the rails Labor Day if you would have won that he thought the season was going to swing in the other direction because it was a big game in your mind where do you think was there one moment where this season past season went off the rails for the riders I don't think it maybe went off the rails. I think that's a pretty uh, good assessment by Shaq there. I mean, just knowing how great a football team Winnipeg was, and we were about to go through a tough stretch of games here and there. We, we talked about if we could just maybe, you know, win two of those three against Winnipeg and how our season we were going to be in control. And, you know, we had a we played a lot of great West teams there at the end of the schedule, and, and that might have been a pretty good assessment. I think it was just uh, scheduling and then a couple of things that didn't go our way in those games, and it just kind of – kind of kept rolling, you know, and, and stuff. And, and it's, like I said, we, we overcame a lot. We thought we were resilient at, at some things. I think we just – a couple of things didn't go our way. We were so close. And, I you know, that Labor that Labor Day game and just uh, maybe that could have turned it around. I think that's a pretty good assessment there by – good by Shaq. A couple more quick questions for Mason Fine. You were sick, man. You were one of the guys that was really sick. I got in the elevator with you in Winnipeg, and you looked like death warmed over. Was that the was that the sickest you've ever been? Yeah, yeah. That's the sickest I've ever been. Uh, it was crazy because of the – you know what they said, you're only sick for like 24 to 48 hours, and then after 48 hours, I was great. But, yeah, I told my parents and everyone, that's the sickest I've ever been. The doctor said I had it worse than everyone else on that football team. And I, I wanted to play, but I, 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 I was probably going to pass out on that football field <laughs> if I went out there. And that's the sickest I've ever been. And, uh, man, I don't wish out upon anybody because I, I was dehydrated, um, just could barely get out of bed. And, I, like, the whole game I was in the locker room and I, I slept. I went back in there and I was hurting and, you know, just, just 
Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was crazy. That whole that whole situation was just crazy. Okay, so why is Mason Fine going to be a good quarterback in this league? Why do you feel you'll be a good quarterback, potentially a starting quarterback in the CFL one day? Well, I think, you know, again, uh, you got to have great coaches around. you got to have great teammates, which I think we have that at Saskatchewan. So now I just gotta go to go out there and do my job and, and do what makes a great quarterback, and that's having a complete control of the offense, putting the time to master the offense, but yet anticipating, uh, seeing what defense are going to do, anticipation, get the ball out of your hands and be accurate and maybe make some plays when it breaks down. You know, you got to improvise a little bit, but you got to have that, got to have that swagger. You got to have that, that leadership role and you got to have that clutch team. And I think that's, you know, one thing that as I get to, as I get used to it and get more and more comfortable, uh, in this league, I think I'm going to start be able to, it's going to become a little bit quicker to me. I'm going to be able to get the ball out of my hands. We're going to anticipate things a little bit more. And just get first downs and put our team in the best situation to get first downs and, and hopefully get touchdowns. So I just had to continue to, to work on my game, continue to work hard in the offseason and during the season of becoming accurate, um, making the right decisions with the ball, and just continue to put myself, uh, our team, in the best situation to be successful. Last question for last question for you, Mason. Um, what did Cody? Yeah. What did you learn from Cody Fajardo on how to be a professional quarterback, on how to carry yourself, and on how to be a quarterback in Saskatchewan and the challenges that come with that? Well, I think Cody uh, taught me a lot. I, I, I tell everyone that I got lucky with having a great veteran quarterback who was able to take me under his wing and able to give me all the tips and advice and, and want me to be successful. You know, Cody wanted me to be successful. He made that transition from college to the professional league uh, really, really easy. He helped me with any questions. He told me how to study, kind of how Ricky Ray did things uh, and how, what he learned from him, and he just passed that on to me. Whether that's in the film room, during practice, having the mentality of attacking the day, uh, whether that's getting treatment, film room, on the field, and, and just kind of giving me tips here and there about how to be, you know, what makes the CFL quarterback uh, good and, and how to keep that chip on your shoulder and how to keep get better every every single day. And, uh, and gave me some tips of being a, you know, a Saskatchewan quarterback. Yeah, We all know there's pressure on the quarterback here in Saskatchewan. He told me, just got to cancel all that out, focus on yourself, and focus on being a great quarterback and a great teammate and being a guy that, you know, you – you know that you want to be and, and just and be who you are, and so he gave me a lot of a lot of tips and advice, and I can't I can't thank him enough. Thank him enough for uh, you know taking me under his wing and, and being just a great veteran and a great mentor for me, and I always I always cherish that. Hey, uh, thanks for your time, Mason. Really appreciate it. Looking forward to seeing you in training camp. Uh, take care and enjoy uh, the rest of the time in the off season. Thank you. Appreciate you having me. I All right, thanks, man. When we come back, we're going to on the other side of the five thirty news. Hear from Pat's head coach, John Paddock, and Pat Chat for the Canadian Brewhouse and our friend Luke Molliner in studio. We dusted him off from the season, and he is back, and we'll get his thoughts on the news of the day. We know what the top story is, and I'm sure he's got an opinion. This is the sports cage for our friends at Saskatchewan Lotteries on 620 CKRM. Here's your sports ticker at 5.30. This news just came in. The Baseball Hall of Fame will now welcome two new members this summer with Scott Rowland joining Fred McGriff as players making up the 2023 class. Nobody covers your team like our team. This is the Sports Cage on the Mighty 620 CKRM. And 
This is Pat Chat for the Canadian Brew House in Moose Jaw and Regina. Watch an NFL game at the Canadian Brew House, and you could be entered to win a trip to the Super Bowl. The Regina Pats have won four straight on a home ice, including their victory Saturday over the Swift Current Broncos in front of a sold-out crowd at the Brant Center. Pats coach John Paddock fairly happy with their weekend split. Their weekend split with the Bronx. No, we played actually played all. Sitting back, I actually thought we played all right last night. Like better than I probably thought. Um, during the game, we really had a good first period. We were like they couldn't keep up in the second period. Let's give them some credit. You know, there's ebb and flows in games, and they're a pretty good hockey team. And so things changed. But from late in the second period through the third, I mean, we still had a 2-1 lead with seven minutes left. I should be able to be shut down. But we took penalties and had some turnovers to the blue line that didn't result in goals. But they switched the momentum, just give them more momentum. How important was this win, John? Well, it was super important, uh, absolutely. You know, and with losing strings and, and Jenner, you know, our lineup is, uh, you know, we needed guys to come through, uh, and they did, you know, Mateo and Barney. Where Saskatchewan sports fans come to talk, this is The Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. All right, we're happy to have this guy for two segments. It is our color commentator on the Rough Rider Radio Network in studio, chopping it up, our friend Luke Molliner. And it's a big day here. The show brought to you by Saskatchewan Lotteries, the main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport, culture, and recreation groups. So, Bo Levi Mitchell, a Hamilton Tiger Cat. I mean, he was a Hamilton Tiger Cat, truthfully, and they just assigned him to an extension. Luke, first question out of the gate. Are you shocked that he is... Didn't go to free agency, I guess. Um, no, because I think that he, I think that what he did was essentially make his free agency case during the Grey Cup, right? Like everybody, the media did such a job talking about the possibilities of him coming to places like Ryder Nation or anywhere else that that was essentially the free agency period right there, right? You mm. just didn't have any official talks. So um, I, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I, it doesn't matter what QB you roll in here unless. This offensive line makes some improvements. Like they, this, this team needs to improve up front. And regardless, defensively, but especially on the offensive lines, right? So, um, you bring in an older quarterback and you give him 500k or whatever, right? Like this team needs some money to spread around. Yeah, right? no. So, so, so. But here, here's here's something for you. Here, I, I personally, <laughs> I, Michael Ball, thought Bo Levi Mitchell was the Riders' plan A. Yeah. But the Riders never told, they've never once told me either on the record or, well, they couldn't on the record because that's tampering. Yeah. But not once in any conversations I've had off the air did they tell me Bo Levi Mitchell was their plan A. So everybody's like, oh, that's it. Well, that might not have been their plan A. Again, for me, um, you bring in Bo. You still got to build in the, build the line. There's still holes on this team that exist. I mean, Anthony Lanier, like, there's no guaranteeing we're getting him back. Sankey, right? Sankey, like, there's there there's there's plenty of those, of things the Riders need. To, it wasn't going to be a case where they bring in one guy and it just solves the entire problem. Realistically, bringing Bo Levi Mitchell in was probably more of a lipstick on the pig approach because you wouldn't have been able to build in other areas. Now, am I saying that I would pass up on a guy like MBT? Would I, am I saying like would I pass up on a guy like Dane Evans? I mean, the price would have to be right. But again, this team needs to build on so the So that's trenches. my so there you go. Good point. So what's the if 
Because, listen, you can build the trenches and do all that, and I agree with you 100%, but you still need a quarterback. Somebody's mm-hmm. got to pull the trigger. Mm-hmm. So what what would be your plan of attack going forward for the Riders realistically? Realistically, if a guy like um, if a guy like McLeod Bethel Thompson or or either one of the Toronto quarterbacks, um, like for me, I mean, I like this Chad Kelly kid. Me right? too. Like you just like he just gets in there and he just talks himself. He, you can tell he talks without thinking. I, I doubt he even understands. <laughs> kind of like the, the broadcast crew. <laughs> yeah, exactly like the broadcast crew. But I mean, you know, like he sounds confident enough to where he's a guy that actually doesn't understand how much he needs an offensive line yeah. in the Canadian Football League, right? Like he thinks that. I think that he feels his talent is is, is there, and and more power to him. He should. He did does, a fantastic job in the Grey Cup. But does that, Luke, mesh with what needs to happen here? Because because listen, I, I I agree with you. I would mm. like to see Chad Kelly because you could kind of sell hope, and he's kind of bombastic. But yeah. but okay, that'll sell you some tickets. But is it a big enough sample size to put your eggs in that basket? Because O'Day and Dickinson mm. need to win. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, that's where coaching comes in. Right, and that's where you have a new offensive coordinator. Um, you've got to get. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure. I haven't seen that they've hired an offensive line coach. They haven't. They have, oh, they yeah, have. no, they have Vitali. Yeah, yeah, actually, Vitale, yeah, you're right. Sorry, I'm on the defensive line. D line yeah, yeah. or receivers yeah, coach. So they've got Vitali in now, and that's where coaching, like coaching, matters. Right? We saw we saw a big like the NFL game when we yep. looked at the Bengals versus the Bills. Right? Even Huge. Sean McDermott admitted first thing I got out coached. Like coaching matters, and here you bring in Chad Kelly who's young enough to where he's still going to run around a lot, right? Like, I'm fine with that, right? I'm fine with MBT too, right? A, a guy who, who can make the throws, a guy who's a veteran. But again, you have to build the offensive line. There has to be some stability in there. It's got to be through the system and also through the personnel. Yeah, I I, um, I I am shocked that Bo Levi Mitchell didn't go to free agency. At 32 years old, Hall of Fame career, mm-hmm. he's three weeks out. He didn't want to look over the fence just to see what was here. Like well, he's never been, he's never been in the Ryder facility. He he wants to have a say in the playbook. He'd have a he'd have a young offensive, like a, a new offensive coordinator that he could probably have a big hand and in, in draw in the playbook up. I'm just surprised he wouldn't come check out the situation. That's well, all. I mean, you have to look at it the other way, too. Bo Levi Mitchell's been around the league long enough to know what money is going to be out there, regardless mm-hmm. of facility. Mm-hmm. And let's be honest, right? It's not 2017 where we're opening this stadium for the first time. No. Right? It's uh, This building is really nice, but eventually the Skydome was just the Skydome, right? Yeah. Like, as much as I yeah. was thrilled with it as a kid, like, eventually it just became the Skydome, right? So, so the facilities, I don't think, came into play as much as people used to think that they, they it did. And I think that he's smart enough to know that, you know, because I'm sure you've seen the numbers being thrown around, yeah. right? I mean, 500K or 20 above that or 20 below that, that's probably the range with a high pay guy. He knows how much Zach Caleros makes, right? He knows that he's not going to go to any team and de- demand more than Zach Caleros, no. right? So realistically, if you know where the bar is set, right? And you know, okay. And here's the other thing too. I get it, right? This is an opportunity for him to like have a say, right? But this guy's going straight to the TSN panel, mm-hmm. right? Let's be honest. This guy's going straight to the TSN panel. I don't think he wants to have. I, I think that if you get a guy like Tommy Condell and Tommy Condell, because that's, that's essentially not the head coach version of Josh McDaniels, but Tommy Condell is essentially a Josh McDaniels type of guy in the CFL. I get it. Doesn't have the great cup championships, but this guy knows what he's talking about, right? And people like him and people like or- Orlando Steinauer, right? Stability is over there. 
right? And experience is over there. Like, does he really want to come to Saskatchewan, right? And and be the guy that everybody is going to... He's Man, career legacies mean something to people. He understands that if it goes south, guess who's getting blamed? Who's getting blamed right now, as a matter of fact, yeah. right? Number 19's getting blamed, right? So he comes here. It, uh, sorry, what number was Cody Fajardo? I already forgot his number. Um, Cody Fajardo was, uh, yeah. he was seven. Wow, see? Well, you see? There's the impact, right? I'll never forget who wore number four, right? Yeah. So people are going to judge that. Like you understand. So if it doesn't work out here, all fingers point at you. Um, and that's your legacy because people have really short memories. So, oh man, yeah, he finished his career. It was a, it was a downslide with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Or he can go, he can enjoy his time. He can put his trust into a coordinator that, that has been around for the league and had success in this league for a long time. Right? And by the way, Got a little bit more stability on the offensive line there. Do you think? You, I think he's got a fantastic running back core. I think guys like Katsatonis. I think Hamilton's a good squad. Do you think they're much better than the Riders? I don't. They were barely better than us last year, and they 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 beat us in the one game that they needed to to knock us out of the playoffs, and they played one more game than us. Like I don't think they're much better than the Riders. To be honest with you, right now as it sits, their O line's a little bit better. They do have a good running back, but we have a good running back core. We have good, and we've got good fullbacks. Mm-hmm. Uh, receivers are in doubt, but their receivers are in doubt too. They've got some free agents. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't think Hamilton's that much better. Mm-hmm. And this would be my case. Yeah, there's a little bit more stability there with O, but O's under the gun. He lost two Grey Cups, and they had a down year this year. Yeah. No. I. Hey, listen. Those are all good arguments. Have you ever talked? Uh, have you ever talked to Bob Young? Oh, I've never talked to him. Man, that guy will sell water to a well. Well, I, I wonder I wonder what's to me something had to go on behind the scenes. To three weeks outside, he was But at that's a, why Hamilton got him. So they oh, could I do know. the behind the scenes stuff, right? But here's the other thing. Here's the other thing. The the fans say this. Hey, the the uh the riders should have made a trade. They should have traded for him. Yeah, they should have, but I don't think there's any way Huffnagel was was trading him to Saskatchewan. Huff? Huff would have fleeced us. Yes. Huff would have been like, sure, you can have his rights. We'll take a couple firsts, yeah. a third. Like, this, literally, he would have played us. A player from your roster. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So there's no way, right? And Huff was already probably yeah. cognizant of his coaching staff potentially moving over yeah. to Saskatchewan. That would not have been an easy sell. So Dane Evans. Dane Evans had an off year. Uh, and, 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 and just hear me out. And he had a pressure. He was in a... Well, for him, it was a pressure cooker, but yeah. this is a pressure cooker on steroids. Do you think a change of scenery is all Dane Evans needs, or do you think that's not a good fit for the Riders? No, I don't I don't think Dane Evans is a good fit for Saskatchewan, and here's why. Mm-hmm. Because if you, if, let's just say everything about Dane Evans is true in terms of the, you know, this is a quarterback with confidence issues, right? So you spend all training camp, right? Yeah. Building him up to be the guy. Right. But then your first like literally a guy who has low confidence needs a lot of things to go right, especially very early on in the season. Mm-hmm. Right. If this team turns it around, which I hope they do. Right. I, like, man, I'm, I'm I'm now that I'm not in a rider uniform, I'm their biggest fan. Some right. people don't think so. I, I like to just try to keep it as, yeah, real as, as, you can. as realistic as possible. But here's the thing. I mean, a quarterback with some confidence issues is going to need full confidence in the people in front of him and around him. And right now, do you 
as a quarterback coming in, do you look at Saskatchewan and say, because you look at the stats, right? They're not like us. They're not in the meeting rooms. They're not in the film, right? All they know is the stats. This was the most sacked quarterback team. They don't care. And and I'll tell you what, if Dane reaches out to Cody Fajardo, I guarantee Cody's not going to say, yeah, it was all my fault. No, no. So, so, so you have to understand that that, like, a quarterback with some confidence issues doesn't look at this situation, I think, as a, as a, oh, this is going to pick me right and put me right back on the path, right? So you can bring him in, but I think that he's just as likely to cave if things don't go easily, right? And don't go well in the first couple games. Yeah. So, right? so, so if the music starts, and it stops. And Cody's left standing there. Is there a world where the Riders pull a San Francisco Jimmy G and circle back to Cody Fajardo? You know what? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Th- I think that's actually more of a realistic scenario than people think. And the reason why I think that is because of the guy coming in, the guy taking over his OC. I think, I think, I think that if people look at his path, his coaching path, I think that, and the things that he said, he's keyed on some really important things when he's talked about what he envisions as an offensive coordinator moving forward. And one of the things that you know about this guy is I think that he's going to, he, he has that, I'm going to coach the guys that come off the bus mentality. And I think I really look at you. You see Jared Goff this year with the Detroit Lions. Yep. Guy had a heck of a year, mm-hmm. right? Why did he have a heck of a year? Because that offensive coordinator made him a, a play action QB. They simplified everything. He wasn't throwing deep, right? They were basing everything off the run, right? I really think that Kelly Jeffrey, ROC, is going to come in here. And if he had Cody, we would become a, more of a, a, a offense formed around the guys that we had. Not necessarily a system-based offense. Now, Jason Moss's system, hey, it had all the success in the world. Mm. Did it work here? No, right? Is there a lot of reasons for that? Yes, absolutely. Is Cody one of the reasons? Yep, sure. But... Again, you wipe the slate clean, you take a guy who's really looking forward, who got a chance to sit back, didn't have a voice in the room, right? Literally sat back there being like, hmm, what would I do in this situation, right? And wasn't necessarily asked, right? Nobody was being like, hey, man, what do you think, right? He was just literally sitting there taking notes. I, I think that if this team ended up with Cody, I think he Cody would have more of a chance to succeed under Jeffrey than he did with Moss. How? how Even though I think they liked each other. How? How? Luke, how is that salvageable? Two, no, I'm serious. They, they well, told him two games left when we still had a well, shot at the playoffs. He's, he's not playing. And, and, and then they told him in the offseason, we're basically going to look to move on unless we're not moving on. You know what I mean? There's two, there's two things I think about that. Like, the Riders yeah. didn't handle this well. I don't care what anybody says. You look at two organizations. Dave Dickinson made a decision on Bo Levi Mitchell and stuck with it. The Riders, yeah. they didn't do that. You remember, I think the last time I was on this radio station, I said, like, look, this isn't a humanitarian organization. Yeah, you did Stop it that. with the humanitarianism. You'd know about okay? that. Okay? You don't, yeah. Let me, let Luke Mullender, the vice president of the record, let's, let us handle the humanitarian stuff. Yeah. Coach Dickinson has been far too kind and far too accommodating. The simple answer to everybody who always, because I always see this, oh yeah, you know, he's always elaborating on the Cody Fajardo situation. On the, You know what? Hey guys, this is what we decided and this is the business that we chose. Next question. Oh, don't have anyone? I'll see you in June. Period. Focus on football. 
period. You don't have to just, I see coach, and, and it's because he's such a nice guy, mm-hmm. but he's being a, too accommodating. You don't have to justify every single move and every single thought process in this. This is the business that we chose, Yeah. right? You ever hear Belichick? Oh yeah, you know, we've had, we've had real deep conversations. You know, we're kicking tires on, no! You know what he says? Yeah, we're on the Cincinnati. Hey, coach, what do you think of this player? Yeah, well, we we think a lot. Next question, right? Like, mm. like keep it in house, right? That's why you know I know that the media didn't like Chris Jones. I know that people yeah, yeah. don't like my opinion of Coach Jones, right? But that guy kept it strictly business, right? The guys that he's dealt with love him, right? But it's a business, and you always knew that with Coach Jones. And one of the reasons why he succeeded as a coach here and set this team up to be in the Grey Cup, set this team up for a lot of success, right, was because at the end of the day, the players also knew that Coach Jones was cool as a mug, but he was about his business. And I really think that Coach has been way too accommodating to the media and to fans in explaining all of the business moves and trying to elaborate and trying to, like, you're opening up the world. Hmm. No, don't do that. Hmm. Not here. We're going to take a break. We'll uh, address a caller and get to some more thought. No, is he gone? Okay, he's gone. We'll be back with more of the Sports Cage in a moment here on 620 CKRM. It's time to step into the radio octagon. You're tuned to the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. All right, welcome back to the uh, Sports Cage. I, I, I'm sorry, I, I still am talking about this because it's the story of the day of the CFL. I, I don't understand. I just, I don't understand. You have a chance to go to free agency three weeks away. Unless Hamilton said to him, listen, this is our offer, da-da-dee, da-da-da, da-da-da, yeah. and if you don't take it, it's going to go back to this. Yeah. And you kind of don't know what's going to happen in yeah. Saskatchewan, but you basically, you're a, you're a backup quarterback with a suspect shoulder. Let's, let's call it like we see it. You got benched in Calgary by guys that know the quarterbacking position more than anybody else in this league. Uh, you have a shoulder that is in question, and you have a team in Saskatchewan that is the mecca of football. Let's let's call it like we see it. Yeah, the Bombers are the team, the flagship team, but this is where the CFL lives and breathes right here. You have a chance to be an NFL quarterback for the rest of your life, like mm. the feeling of an NFL quarterback, mm. making more money. Your money goes farther, yeah, and you're going to you and you're going to tell me mm. you're going to tell me that. You're going to tell me that Saskatchewan is a worse market than Hamilton? Hamilton, it, come on. I So, listen, there could be stuff that I don't know about. I get it. But to not go to free agency when you told everybody on the air and me personally more than one time that for sure you were doing that. I don't... What happened? What happened? Well... I think part of it's a family decision, and I'll leave it at that. But other than that, I don't know what happened. Well, he's got two kids, right? And and when you have two kids and, <clears throat> you know, you're, you're on the... You're on the other side of your career. I think that uh, I think that you probably have a little bit more. I think your your conversations are different when it comes to the family, right? So mm-hmm. you're right. Maybe it, maybe it might have been that. I mean, the thing about you know the thing about you, Saskatchewan so is hold, I think hold, that he hold had it, hold it hold it. You know the area more than me because you're an Ontario guy. He lives in Chestermere Lake right now, which is just outside of Calgary. Yeah. Okay, which would be the equivalent of White City. Oh, really? Yeah. What, oh. what, so, what would Chestermere? What would White City be like in a Hamilton area? Do they have a White City? Do they White have an, City. Do they have an area like that? What? In, yeah. <laughs> That's what I mean. Let me tell you something about Hamilton. 
Listen, the only time I ever spent any time in Hamilton as a kid growing up in Ontario was when I was passing by it on the way to Niagara Falls Casino. All right? Nobody goes to Hamilton. Nobody likes Hamilton. It's a dump. So... Yeah, again, you're and this is this is coming from this is coming, you know, because I because I remember I said this. I remember I called Hamilton a dump one time on this mm-hmm. show, and I got a really annoyed mm-hmm. Facebook and tw- you are just a sky. I cannot believe you would say something about this. And you know what I said? I said, yeah, from Mississauga. Is this and a dumb, <laughs> is this a dumb question? Is this a dumb way to put it? But I'm I'm throwing this out here. Yeah, would Bo not want to come here and peek over the fence because he might be afraid he might like it? I don't know. I mean, who knows? I think, again, I think that everything was done. I think it was all done in Grey Cup. Like, Grey Cup, that's where the moves are made. Yeah, okay. that's And, and Grey Cup was here in Saskatchewan. Yeah. Trust me. Bo got plenty of time to look around, right? Bo got plenty of time to... And you know what? And I get it. Like, teams can't tamper. But guess guess who was tampering? The entire city of Regina. Everywhere that guy went, yeah. he saw somebody wearing a green Mitchell jersey with black marker, right? He was probably... He had probably understood that he could get... Get car deals here. I mean, he probably thought to himself, "Well, if well, if the quarterback now has a capital deal, I could probably you right." Like guys do all the math there, right? So I, I think it's not that he didn't know. I just think that hey, man, like mm. when it comes to the when I when I think about football, if I put myself in Bo Levi Mitchell and I know that the difference maybe maybe between Saskatchewan and Hamilton maybe fifteen to twenty grand, right? <laughs> I, I I think I look at other things like sustainability, stability, right? Um, so with the setup that the riders have now, mm-hmm. okay, we'll go, we'll piggyback that. The setup that the riders have now with a GM and a coach on an expiring contract, yeah, will that hamper them when it comes to free agency? I think it just did, right? Like, let's be honest. I mean, you again, guys aren't stupid, right? Guys, guys know this business. See, that's the thing. That's why I say stop it with the humanitarian stuff, mm-hmm. right? Because at the end of the day, it's a business. And everybody else knows it's a business. So they also know. And it's not like this is unpre- – it's not like teams – you know that don't start off like there's there's been times in the history of this team right in the history of other teams that you start out oh and whatever and what happens changes are made well the likelihood of those changes being made and i'm not saying the riders are going to just start off really slow and be like oh yeah. seven that's not what i'm saying i'm saying if that happens the likelihood of changes being made all throughout sweeping in the middle of a season are higher here because yeah. you only have a GM and a head coach that are accountable for one year anyway. So you, so you, uh, you went through the process yeah. at MSU. My son went through it at North Dakota. He 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 signed in Calgary, and he obviously wasn't at the top of the North Dakota recruit list. But then you know this guy went here and this guy went yeah. here, so then they circle back to my son. Yeah. So where I'm dry drawing the comparison is do you think then the riders are set up to get third and fourth tier free agents because of the situation that we just absolutely. talked about absolutely yeah i don't think the i don't think the riders are but that's the thing that's why coaching matters because you know what if the riders aren't the first and second destination for these free agents right so be it because because honestly if I'm a coach in the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, I got a little bit of a chip on my shoulder developing because I hear everything. I hear Luke Mullender. I hear Michael Ball. I hear all the people on TSN. I hear the other shows questioning, right? I hear everybody, you know, speculating about how bad the riders are. Like, and the coaches see that too, right? You know what? 
I don't care who comes in. That's my attitude. I don't care. Whoever we get is who we get, and we're going to put a championship-winning team on the football field. Why? Because coaching matters. So you got to. They've got to really look and say, "Look, here's what we might have. We don't care who we're getting. We might not get the top guy. You know why? Top guys get injured too." Right, So I could go and spend a billion dollars on some fancy free agent and he could bust his Achilles in the first play of training camp. And then what am I left with? Hopes and dreams. So listen, I may as well put the hopes and dreams on guys that A, want to be in the organization, B, that motivate me to come into work every single day at 4.30 and leave at like 9.30, right? Because that's what it's going to take to get this team to the championship in the playoffs, which is the goal. The goal is a championship. It's not to be... the team uh, of the province and something that people can be proud of. Listen, people are going to be proud of what? Winning teams. So be the winning team. Have that championship attitude. Have that championship mantra the minute somebody who wants to be in there steps in the building. Because I promise you, you'll get far more value out of somebody you pay less that wants to be there than someone you throw a boatload of money that doesn't care to be there. I promise you, you'll get more out of them. Can't end it any better than that. We got to get this guy's throwing smoke. He's throwing Smoke, can you quarterback? No, absolutely not. I got shot shoulders, man. We'd be screwed. We'd be, doesn't matter. We could have the we could have the Bengals offensive line in here. We'd, we'd be hopeless. We'll talk to some NFL when Luke comes back in later in the week. He's a great Luke Molitor. That'll do it for the show. You could check it out in podcast form wherever you get your podcast. Please give us a review and a like. We've got a great show coming up tomorrow, including Mike Edom of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, who says he's feeling great. And I said, Are you playing? He said, hell yes, I'm playing. So we'll talk to Mike Edom, where he thinks he'll end up, and uh, how he's doing in the offseason, that and much, much more. Coming up tomorrow on the Sports Cage, thank you, Sports Cage shareholders, for uh, checking us out, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Today's Sports Cage has come to a close. Miss a segment? Download or stream the podcast now at sportscage.ca. Get your sports straight from the source. 620 CKRM.